welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dillon Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, Leatherheads, along with Ryan Griffin, Dylan Bear, Paul Roshan, I am Matt Basson, we are Sports Carnage, and we back, we back, but more importantly, college football is back. Football on Saturdays, and this past week, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and Monday as well. And uh, I think the most important thing of the week is the fact that at one point in time, Middle Tennessee had a lead against the University of Michigan. Paul Roshan, how do you feel about that? feel like Butterfingers cost me a lot of picks this week. <laughs> and Butterfingers is how they got that lead. And that's all right. Because it was a fun game, nonetheless. But we were not the first team to play this week. Yeah. No, far from it. <laughs> you played on Saturday, this, like normal we college We were not the teams. first team in this state to play this week. No, we didn't play. <laughs> I mean, Your defense did. Half, oh, half the team did. Oh, played with my emotions. Antonio's fired up. <laughs> I would say more than half the team. About 60% of the team. Yeah, special yeah, teams. Yeah, if you count special teams, because hard bargain. Oh, oh God, I miss that man. Healthy. Yeah, same here. I miss that man Dang, so much. Best in the return unit. Yeah, returners were actually not stupid. I'm not used to that. I'm not used except to someone outside of the, Keyshawn the, Martin being able to return punts. There was one really bad fair catch. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I was at the game. I was so mad when it happened. (laughs) He was, like, inside the 10, and there was no one around him. But imagine imagine if your returner called for a fair catch and then didn't catch the f***ing ball. What? It's it's not like you count on him to catch passes from the As long as R.J. Shelton isn't back there to dance around and literally do nothing, I think our special teams are actually quite solid. I was surprised. And how well they did on the returning aspect. Um, I, I kind of like the rotation that they're doing too, where it's like, where they're swapping guys in and out, because they're not doing like two guys back. They're doing one back, and they're going between who was it, Hayward and Naylor? Was that it? Um, I thought I White got some return. That was maybe, but I like that they're doing that a rotation though, because it, it kind of gives you a different change of pace. You know, if one guy messes up, well, boom, other dude has already been doing the reps, so boom, there you go, you know. Maybe. I think I'd prefer to have it, and we'll probably, well, we probably won't get this deep into it later when we talk about our college football teams. But I think I'd rather just have one guy doing it and have him solidify that role. I mean, you guys talk about rotating returners. Michigan is out here rotating kickers. And quarterback. Uh, I didn't. I can't get quarterbacks. <laughs> Quarterback is a discussion that is beneath us. I, I'll, I'll, okay, I have only one real thing that's insightful about our two teams. Because with Michigan, I, there's one thing that I have about it. It's not very insightful. Like, oh my God, Middle State or scored 21 points. Okay, relax. It's it's just an opening game, as was evidenced by Florida and everybody else. If you think this is your final product and that if you played this game in November that it would still be the same score, that's why I take problem with any takeaways. The only thing I can say for Michigan State, obviously offense is kind of a kind of, we already know, but there is a positive. 
that I noticed, and I, I bet Ryan did too. But when I was watching the game, the thing that I saw was that Brian Lewerke is no longer being stupid. Like, I'm, I'm not, you think that I, I'm like joking or something. I'm being 100% serious. He showed a ton of command. He knew when to run. He was much more comfortable with his throws. He didn't make any god-awful decisions. And that is something that I think is a big positive moving forward. It's honestly the only real takeaway that I had outside of this defense's literal... Just, they're god mode already. But, Blewerke looked comfortable. There were six drops in the game, so the 21 out of 37... I mean, it wasn't all on him. He didn't make any bad throws. Looked like he's kind of getting back to the dual threat thing of 2017. So that's all I really got, and I think it's a positive. Moving forward, we'll see this upcoming week how much improvement he really has had. He looked real good running the ball. There were a couple throws that I thought were bad and a couple throws that I thought should have been picked. One, I know Cody White actually dropped because the ball literally went through right, literally went right through, excuse me, the defender's hands. And he expected it to be picked, I'm sure, because just in the stands, I expected it to be picked. And then there was another one down in the red zone where he threw it, and a better cornerback probably jumps the route and intercepts it. I think the ball ended up being caught, so there was no harm, no foul there. But they were playing Tulsa, and something tells me if they were playing. So say that was like Lavert Hill in that situation, because we know we'll talk about Michigan. It was, if he's playing Michigan and it's Lavert Hill, uh, it's probably – it was definitely picked, and it might even be six the other way. So there are a couple throws I still didn't like, especially down in the red zone, because both those throws that um, I just mentioned were close to the goal line and close to red zone territory. Other than but that, he, he did look solid running the ball, and the receivers didn't help him with anything else. But and also in fairness, first off, Doxon, get off the team. I hate him already. Like so bad. You're the worst. He, you're the worst. But. Uh, much more, much more to what you were saying with the throws. I think that one thing with Lewerke with those decisions, if his offensive line gives him literally any more than a second to throw, I don't think it's going to be as bad. And yeah, again, but they, but they won't. If you think he's, but they won't. But they're going to face you better don't pass. Know that. Yes, I do. They're you they're going to face better pass rush than they definitely got against Tulsa. It's the and they're first not a, game. That doesn't matter. What did you see last year that told you they would? What did you see that told you they're going to block for What does last year have to do with this Because it's a lot of the I, same players. Well, everyone was hurt last year. Yeah, and that's, even this well, year, that's part <laughs> of it. Yeah, we're, we're starting out. And also, yeah, uh, our left, left tackles. tackles are out. Yeah. We have had offensive line questions for years, guys. Even when our team was good, so this we had offensive my, line I'm questions. I'm not taking a first game for so anything this is my absurdly negative. This, okay, so this is... The first thing that I hate is when people are like, oh, it's week one. It doesn't mean anything. Because it means something, but you do have to be extremely careful with what you take out of it. Right. In what's projectable, right? What is realistic? What is things that a perfect example to take it to my own team? So, the biggest thing that held us back in that game was literally no one could hold on to the ball. Offense, defensive, special teams didn't matter. Like our team just literally had butterfingers. <laughs> that is something they're projecting going forward and using both past history, the ability of the people on the team, the things that you see teams clean up during the year, you could reasonably say they're not going to drop the ball every time they touch it, right? Right. When I look at Michigan State and I look at the defense, we already, we already the defense almost isn't worth talking about because, A, we already right. knew it was going to be one of the best units in the country, and they didn't do anything unexpected against Tulsa. 
they did exactly what they should have done. So right. great job, but not really worth talking about. What is worth talking about? The Lewerke stuff that Dylan already talked about, which it's become really cliche locally, but the thing to me is, is Dylan talked about him being in command and everything. It, to me, it boils down is he is healthy, and because he's healthy, he is confident again. He's had his confidence right. restored, which he is one of those players that needs that. He, he's not someone, as we saw last year, they could do without it, especially when banged up. So that's big. Right. The biggest concern, of course, is the offensive line. And I look at it from a projection standpoint. What can we project going forward? How is the offensive line going to get better? And I don't think you can chalk it up to a poor performance in week one because of it's week one. Tulsa is Tulsa. No one played world beaters week one, but Tulsa's defense was super poor last season, especially in the front seven. And we know about the run numbers. In Michigan State passed probably more than they were expected to the other night, which is fine. Thank God. I, I liked I, I liked it, but I almost think and it's really this is what I really hate and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do the thing I hate is second guessing coaching decisions in games like these because you don't know what they're trying to work on. Because realistically Tulsa's never beating MSU. Middle Tennessee State's never beating Michigan. So you don't know what coaches decide you know, I know that this might not make a lot of sense from a game standpoint that we're in right now, but I want to work on this, or I want to do this. My concern with the offensive line is I don't know how it's going to get better. The only youth you have on the line, Devontae Dobbs started, correct? Yes. Okay, so he's a freshman, a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Five-star talent out of state. I saw some things from him that concerned me that game. But because he's a freshman, you can say, well, these are freshman jitters. These are things he's going to get better. Michigan State, Mark Antonio's program has a history of developing these guys. What concerns me is I saw a front seven that didn't look like they could impose their will or would. I'm sorry, front seven. A front line that would or could impose their will. And one of the reasons that it was rumored that Michigan cooled on Devontae Dobbs in the recruiting process was because of his stuff between the ears. It had nothing to do with his ability. It was an, an attitude thing and, and kind of the way that he played the game. And I saw a little bit of that Saturday. Or I'm sorry, Saturday, Friday, whenever you guys played. I didn't. I watched the game like Sunday. Friday, so JV Day, remember? I, I didn't watch it live. I had, I had to watch it taped. So I saw some of that same stuff, not just from him, but from the whole line whether it was just an unwillingness when the going got tough. And the reason I throw that out there is a lot because of what Mark D'Antonio said. We haven't even talked about his comments yet. You, the, you mean the, the non comments? I don't It's like more than he ever said about anything. You guys, you guys can bring it up because I don't want to go on super long uninterrupted. So you well, guys but, can talk okay, about okay, it. But no, about because the team and said they what suck. He's ta- what he's talking Okay, first off, no, he did not. Stop rephrasing. His exact words were very vanilla. And while everyone is reacting like, oh my god, he just told them to go F themselves, that's not what happened. All he did was say you need to be more accountable and you need to try harder. Which, as far as a public statement goes, like, no shit? I mean, what else was he going to say in that spot? Just because he hasn't in the past doesn't mean that all of a sudden him saying it now is some revelation. Well, okay. I think so. that's exactly why people are taking it the way they do. Mark D'Antonio is not a man of many words, 
So when he says something that could be consequential, people listen. And especially when it matches up with what they saw in the field. And that's why I brought up his comments. What I saw from the offensive line, and to an extent, Too many the steel penalties. position players, the penalties I don't worry about. Not, well, I'm saying those are going to go away, but those are exactly. absolutely something he was talking about because the receivers blocked so poorly, it's almost insulting. Like well, they, he, I think he that. even mentioned that specifically. Well, not that group of people, but just in general concept, yes. Look, as far as I'm concerned, his comments don't mean crap unless we shut out Western. Okay, so We won't my, know what the practices are like. You, so, Because it's my biggest thing going forward. You think the practices of, are easy? Outside, outside of half the team is going to this week. Obviously, you can say Devontae Dobbs is a freshman. He's going to get better. He has to. But outside of that, where does the growth come on the offensive line? What is going to change? Whether I, it's personnel or here's ability? my hope. All right, Not I'm going to answer this with with this is kind of a, kind of a kind of a play calling thing. But I my hope with Lewerke being more comfortable with himself, being much more. You saw the frustration Coming from out of the so. Closet, huh? Not at all. So if he were, if he was as fired up as he is and pissed off as he was, my hope is that he's going to do the same sort of thing that I that Kirk Cousins did, where he's going to try to get the the play calling to change. And I'm not even saying the play calling in this game was bad, but you, it, what is the way schematically to compensate for a bad line, especially if you have a mobile quarterback? It's rollouts and it's rollouts misdirection. Exactly. And my hope is that Lewerke is going to advocate strongly for that schematic change. A lot more rollouts, a lot more of him moving around. He looked comfortable doing so. And my hope is is that he's going to advocate strongly for it if the line struggles continue. That is what I would say would be the answer to what you're talking about. And that doesn't mean that's a good solution against really good teams, but just... To get us where we want to be, 9, 10 wins at the least, my guess is is that after this September run, especially if Northwestern turns out to be a struggle with Patty Fisher in particular causing issues for us, I think you're going to start seeing Lewerke moving substantially more outside of the pocket to compensate for the weakness of the line. I do. Week 1 did get me hyped for one thing in particular. I think when you guys play Northwestern, we're getting a second game of the century. Oh, God. A nice 0-0 ten ten. <laughs> tie, if you will. I don't think Northwestern's defense is that good this year. <laughs> I think we can and win 10 nothing with a defensive touchdown. Whoa, riveting. <laughs> defensive touchdown. So pick, I have, look, I pick have six, hope with the off- fumble recovery, and a field goal. Oh, God. That's awful. Can we not talk about fumble recoveries in God dang Northwestern, please? <laughs> your your look, Paul, so to answer to answer your question, <laughs> it's the simple. back door. Love Shut gonna, up, Dylan. The movement talking. the movement of Lewerke is the reason why the offensive line doesn't worry me as much as as I probably should. That's so all. that's so that's basically. fair. The, uh, that's the prob- that. Hang on, the, the Lew- no. <laughs> hang on. Look, I know Lewerke can scramble a little bit, but I'm sorry. Did the man turn into Michael Vick all of a sudden, and I missed it? Did you hear anything of what I said schematically, or did you confuse a three-four and a four-three again? I did. I did. Okay. Now, so then, what about what I said is not making sense? No, no, no. I confused the three-four and the four-three again. No, it's oh. fine. <laughs> Lewerke's comfortable in either system. Okay. Uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, I'm you know, Lewerke looked a hell of a lot better this compared ties, to what we saw last this year. Ties back to a but that line is terrible. This ties back to what we said of weeks ago when we talked about running backs. I don't even remember if it was on the podcast. It might have just been. When Collins we were needs more touches. Ourselves. That's the secret, right but there. I'll tell you. Michigan what. State. We talked about they have certainly the most unproven in one of the lesser backfields that they've had in the Mark D'Antonio era. God awful. You're combining that backfield with an offensive line that doesn't look like they're going to be able to push anybody around or open a lot of running lanes. Hence the misdirection. This coaching staff, and this is a question I have, this to be successful in offense, this coaching staff is going to have to, to an extent, abandon the run like they never have before. Do you yeah. think they will do that? Yes, because I, I think that their quarterback will legitimately quit on them if they don't. Ryan that is why Matt, this is an open discussion, by the way. <laughs> no, they're not going to abandon the run. I 100% if Lewerke is telling them, dudes, cut this shit out. I, I've seen, like, already, no, he, he's ad- going, he's gonna, not going to hide it. his emotions. They can adjust it with more so. designed runs for Lewerke or more option plays. But I don't think Mark D'Antonio can not run the ball at least 20 times a game. I think he'd have an What's, aneurysm. Well, 20 times a game would be that bad. 20, you're running at least 60 plays a game. So a 20-40 split is fine. But that's what it's going to have to be, I think, for you to have a semblance of success against good defensive. I mean, um, just take Michigan's front, for example, as far as run defense. How is that offensive line opening any lanes against that? No, you got you to gotta treat that game like Peyton Manning treated the Bears in the Super Bowl. Just quick passes all day. Just so five, yards, five yards, five yards, five is, yards, five yards, 20 yards. Or you is, can run the down like Middle Tennessee State with their mobile is, QB. White Lightning, exactly. baby. My question is, do you foresee the coaching staff doing that, or do you think they will stubborn and still try to get their 30-plus runs in? I don't think their quarterbacks will. They'll, they'll absolutely run the ball 30 times a game. No. Mm-mm. Not happening this time around. This is not happening. Not only the public scrutiny and pressure, but Lewerke's not going to hide his frustrations. It's the senior year. He already is showing how pissed off he's going to be. This is very good for him to be uh, what, what's the term I want to use here? Empowered. Because they're doing nothing without him. And so if they keep up this crap, he's going to go to Mark and be like, my man, well, you got to stop. We got to change something. And if Mark doesn't want to listen to his quarterback, I mean, good luck recruiting from that point on for that position. Well, I, I 100% am, am. I know that they will. If, if, again, if. We don't see improvements. They are going to make schematic changes. They may still run. As uh, Ryan had said, they may do more options. They may do more motion, misdirection, what have you. But they're not going to run 30 times a game if Connor Hayward does another 15 carries for 43 yards. They're not doing that. Their quarterback won't let him. Yes. God awful. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he also doesn't know how to hit a hole to save his life. He'd rather get tackled by a dude than, you well, know, hence hit the seat. One of the, the backfields that we've seen under D'Antonio. And but that's, that's this why. This is very much yeah, an so. open discussion. I don't pretend to have the answer to this question. I have no idea. That's why I'm asking it. I just don't foresee a way to hit your ceiling or anywhere close to it unless that adjustment is made because it's just not going to work against good defensive fronts, which, let's be real, most of the Big Ten has. Do you play? Do you have uh, Iowa on your schedule this year? Freak, no, we don't. Thank All right, Jesus. so that's good. That's good for you because that's a defensive front that you get to avoid. But I'll is, tell you what, Iowa was looking hella good this weekend. Woo! 
not as good as Illinois and Wisconsin, but... I Okay, first off, if you really want to start comparing Illinois and Iowa, like, okay, well, I'm with you. They looked good, but come on. Like, Wisconsin and Iowa are looking like the clear front runners already. Nebraska sure as shit is not. I think we're all in agreement on that one. Don was wilding because they, we they were on the struggle we bus with South Alabama. Before the season started. Well, yeah, I'm and just they saying. Did nothing corroborated. To that in week one. I just think that Wisconsin and Iowa looked like they were the teams that are going to be able to control the line the mo- like more than any of these other teams. Northwestern clearly has shown problems, as Matt had alluded to already. Um,. Nebraska just doesn't. He's just if they if they didn't score two defensive touchdowns and a return, they wouldn't have won that game. game. So I I yeah, want so. I, I wasn't going to spend any time on Nebraska, but I want to spend a little bit. So everyone says week one overreactions, whatever. They won by two touchdowns. South Alabama, there's the 128 FBS school, something 130. like that. 130. 130. South Alabama is legitimately like bottom five of that group at the very best, bottom ten. Like, they are bad among the very bad teams of college football. They are a very, very terrible, no-good football team of the nth degree. Like, they make Tulsa look like world beaters. So, the fact that Nebraska at no point looked anywhere near in control of that game, and no point, not first, second, third, or fourth quarter. Like, you never thought that, yeah, Nebraska is just going to smoke this team and run away with it, ever, at any point. That's terrifying for a team that people are projecting to get eight, nine wins, which is just absurd to me. It was absurd to pretty much all of us outside of our wonderful guest Don that we had for a little bit. It, I, I like to see that because it's a nice reminder that reality does still exist. Like, I didn't miss the boat. All the jerk-offs in the media that had Nebraska. Is Nebraska still ranked this week, or did they fall out? No, nah, they're still ranked, but uh, they're like, they're, they're on the back end. So that's the kind of performance that you drop your ass out. I mean, Although from 24 the, especially, you would think they dropped out. Uh, actually, they are tied at 25th with another team that struggled against a far better opponent, though, I'll be honest. Iowa State. I, Northern Iowa, Iowa is State. a very, Northern Iowa Iowa's a very good FCS team. So, What is with Iowa teams struggling with FCS teams? Yeah, Iowa no, Northern Iowa State. always oh, gives the other right. Iowa teams trouble, and it's because, again, they're – very good. They should be D1 in football. They're very good. And they're a good athletic program. I mean, we know that from the basketball team. They're very well run, and they've always given Iowa and Iowa State trouble. And in fairness, Northern Iowa probably should have won that game. Did you guys catch the Ohio State game? Uh, I don't really no. see why I needed to. They got out to curious. the big lead, just and curious. then they just let FAU stick around. Fields look about That's as good as what, what I expected. Actually, didn't uh, what, Ohio I mean, State score twenty eight? They they did they scored twenty eight points in the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, after the first three drives, Ohio State's offense kind of got shut down, and it was not through lack of effort. Florida Atlantic actually made some schematic adjustments. And I mean, it is to, Lane Kiffin. I was going to say props to Lane Kiffin, although he's done for his other side of the ball. And who said it was Ryan who said this game was going to be seventy to zero, right? Well, it was looking like it. But yeah, well, you said it was twenty eight zero. 77-0. Um, Florida Atlantic actually made some schematic adjustments. And one thing that I thought was interesting about this game is Florida Atlantic made a little bit of a run, but Ohio State, A, left their ones in the entire game. They did not at any point in the game go to their backups. Yeah. And they did not go super vanilla. They did not foot off the gas. 
they stopped scoring because Florida Atlantic legitimately made adjustments. Not a surprise. It's a surprise to me. I mean, because, okay, Urban Meyer on the Fox, you know, game day, whatever, he did say something that I, I didn't really consider. So, uh, one thing that you got to keep in mind is that with Ryan Day, we know how he is offensively, but one thing you have to keep in mind is that there's a lot of game day prep. And what it, what he was talking, Urban Meyer was talking about, was the minutia of stuff. About waking up, making sure everything is square, get the players ready, feed them, all that kind of stuff and everything and what have you. And as a part of that game, you know, game day is making adjustments. And I think that this was the reason the ones are out there for that long. It was a feeling out process, not only for Justin Fields, but Ryan Day himself. I don't suspect that you're going to see an Ohio State team this talented not make adjustments in the future. He just wanted to, it was a feeling out, you know, and it was against a really well-coached team. That's, you know, something that it's not Florida Atlantic from eight years ago where they would average two and ten, you know. So one coach has the experience and is able to make adjustments, and we saw it, and one wasn't, and talent won out. Simple as that. Would you guys agree, and really you can expand it to kind of all of college football, but definitely the Big Ten. Even, no, really all of college football, outside of Tennessee, which in the grand scheme of things isn't that surprising. Shut the program down. Fire of our program. Shut it Would down. Would you agree that week one was pretty unsurprising? Uh, I will say, ah, uh, see, mm, you're going to make me do it, and I don't want to do it. I don't want to jump to this right away, and you make fun of me. Mm, fine. That is Mario, Cristobal's, Mario Cristobal's a choke artist yet again. Uh, so that's relatively surprising because I thought he was over that. But also, um, Bo Nix, hooray! Uh, look, this I'm on. Uh, all right. Well, well, for the first time for everybody, it ain't, else, it ain't that bow. It's the bow we know. It ain't that bow at Auburn. It's it's the but it's the bow we know. So here's the thing, Bo Nix's stat line is god awful. And for three and a half quarters, he was awful. But, but, against an Oregon defense that played really good, like way better than an Oregon defense we've ever known. We've known Oregon for their speed. They played pretty not good the in the defense. bowl game last year. Uh, they played, okay. <laughs> that They did not. We were shit. But they did really well. Just defensively, specifically on the line, the front four of Oregon got a lot of pressure. And Bo Nix, in the last drive, had four throws that were real solid. Like, as I know, and and Paul was talking about it on our chat, because I got hype about Bo Nix with that final drive. He showed control of the offense. Gene, Gene, uh, or sorry, not Gene, Gus Malzahn. I almost said Gene Chizik. (laughs) <laughs> Gus Malzahn showed faith in him. He showed a willingness to run very and and show some real brass because that fourth and three run that he had, that, that was impressive. Being able to have a, a soft zone with four defenders in your path and still get that yardage for the first down, very impressive. On top of that, the touchdown throw, very good as well. And with 16 seconds left, your coach believes in you. You make that toss. It's about confidence, especially for a young guy like that. Am I saying Auburn's going to all of a sudden win the SEC? Probs not. They're probably yes. still an 8-14. and 14. He's going to have some games where he's going to be total ass. 
But for the future, Gus Malzahn always does well with mobile-based quarterbacks, and this being the first game for him, there, there's some good stuff in this kid's future. I saw glimpses of it in that final drive. It's not going to sustain him for a full season. He's got stuff to change. But it was Auburn has a has a brighter future than what I was expecting with this kid being at the helm. So I do want to say I find it very interesting. So my question was about the lack of surprises. And Dylan's one surprise was a team favored to lose losing on a touchdown in the final second. The surprise was not that. The surprise I, I was that Malzahn may not actually wind up fired. Oh, Everybody had him on the hot seat. That's what been on the hot seat for like five years. Right, but no, my whole contention was the fact that Malzahn is... I, ju- I literally said Malzahn's better with quarterback. Was Cristobal is still a choke artist. Unless well, I okay, those, those are independent because Cristobal's issues... And to be fair, Malzahn's play calling, there was one call that he had that was the most stupid thing I've ever seen. Actually, no, not true. James Franklin takes the cake on that. But this was pretty bad. So on the final drive when Auburn was moving down the field, it was about a minute left. They were at about the, about the, shit, like the 40, 40, their own 40 or what have you. And for whatever reason, Malzahn decides to run the ball. I don't know why. At all, because at that point, Knicks was kind of getting into the heat of things. The run was going nowhere because it was a stretch to the weak side. And he didn't call They had one timeout left. He didn't even call it. So you had about a minute left, and it wound all the way down to like 33 seconds. It was an awful play call. That, that's, I was like, all right, this he is was, the Gus I know. He was killing the clock because he knew his quarterback would win the game for him. All right, Matt. I, sure. What do you want to <laughs> ask about Ohio State? Ah, I thought there was going to be Bo Nix talk. I'll shit on him in a minute. <laughs> what is there to shit on? His final drive was great. And what else? I'm sorry. Was that. it? What, I'm sorry for a freshman playing in his first game. What do you want from him? Cam Newton. Cam Newton in the national championship when game. Is that what you're wanting? We're sitting at the poker shit. table. Someone flops a flips a flush. Dylan's like, I got aces. And you're like. What, is, <laughs> what about what I said where I said he still has room to improve, but this was a good sign? What about just that is, is an issue just for you? Aces. Where apparently there's, we're there's doing no some issue. broad, broad it's, brush. It's, that's not the issue. The issue My was God. the amount of talking you did after the game over a quarterback that had a decent game, had a really nice last oh, drive. So did you? I, no, okay, Matt. Winner. Hold on, Matt. Did you watch the drive? It's, the it's, actual yes, drive it's much itself. more tempered on the podcast, too, than all the praises <laughs> well, he was singing after. Well, no, I'm so praising the final drive. The problem He's is like, we are starting are the show with let's this. Mediate. Like, what? Why? Let's, let's mediate. So I will give Dylan props. So Dylan, A, was caught up in the heat of the moment when we discussed this. I still think his final drive was hella impressive. And Dylan, I think that in years time, to come, we'll see this more in a full game Dylan, from Dylan, in real time, probably thought Bo Nix was a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor very, Lawrence didn't play very good. He I just didn't. want to point that out. He but. did not at all. Dylan was like very shit. caught up in the moment of that final drive. I he think Bo Nix in his sophomore and junior year are, is going to be a serious force. Which He's going to lead Auburn. extremely tempered for what Dylan sounded like in the immediate aftermath. The legend of, the of Bo has begun is the quote. Which is what That's, it is. This is at. going to sustain him. Throughout the rest of his college days, Dylan has come what on the we saw oh my God. with a much more measured and reasonable version of events. In my opinion, oh my God, 
Dylan no. is actually correct. What everything Dylan is saying makes sense, but Bo Nix is going to get Auburn an SEC title before he leaves school. That's what <laughs> oh, I'm saying. Okay. Nope. All right, that's pretty bold. That is bold. But Dylan has been mostly measured about Bo Nix since he came on the podcast. We are reacting the way we're reacting because that final drive, y'all are acting like it's prior nothing. to the podcast. That's what's annoying. And you were acting right like now. he was, like he was Tua in the second half of the championship. Dude, his <laughs> final drive was hella was impressive. Was Tua for one drive? <laughs> It was really good for a freshman in his first so, so, game. So this is the – and I posed this to Dylan, and I think he actually glossed over it when I originally posed it to him. It's like Tebow in the NFL. No, it's what, not. God that awful? game was – that game was. That one, playoff, know, that one playoff like game Tebow against Pittsburgh against that Tebow yeah, yeah, had. Oh, so you're talking about like Pittsburgh Steelers uh, against Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, Here's the problem. Demarius the made that entire drive. Bo Nix did a lot for that final Hold drive. On. Tebow recognized coverage and dropped a dime that allowed the only it was dime a slam in his pattern. That it was a slam pattern Demarius against man coverage. I beat Ryan on that Demarius in Madden every single play. Hey, just bring me? him a video game. And how about how about Listen. you tell everybody your record in Madden? <laughs> <laughs> if you can go out there and start spouting off lies. Hey, you know what? If hey, you know what's great is you can the records that you have is before they fix the fumble rate, which is the entire reason you won. So let's Dylan show. is choking right. on this. Even though right the now. the closest you ever came to beating me is when you were drunk. My point is, Tebow was known for having very inconsistent and poor games and turning it on at the end and having And yet great he drives. was a leader who and in the college capacity was able to well, will I'm, his team I'm to victory. I'm actually comparing Bo Nix College Bo Nix to NFL Tim Tebow. Nah. Specifically. Mm-mm. And I'm not saying Mm-mm. this is a bad thing. Bo Nix has, a, has, much, has a much higher ceiling. He has a much go. higher ceiling. But I have one game that I've watched Bo Nix play, and that's it. I haven't watched his high school film. Why are you, not, why are you again, skating over the final drive like it didn't happen, not, and it's the I'm most recent the experience you have of him playing? He made really good throws, really good decisions, and he willed that team Four to that win. Four passes does not make a quarterback. No one is that's even saying not that what I'm is saying. not going to be good. Apparently, no that's that. what I'm hearing. No it's because you're comparing him to Tebow in the NFL. So clearly he's going to be trash. I am. Com- what he did in that game is what Tebow did in the NFL is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that that's going to be his outcome. He had four good passes. That's about right for Tebow's but NFL career. What he did in that game... Is what I Tebow guess for the scaling effect, that points. is a compliment. He did more than Tebow did in the NFL in one drive in college. So I guess, Jesus. yes, I'll take that. All right, we're out of control. <laughs> That's Bo Nix, future Heisman winner, first-round pick. Uh, not first-round. I think he's like Tebow, where he's going to be a hell of a college quarterback. Well, but Tebow is a first-round pick. Matthew Bassett. <laughs> it's because John Elway lost his mind. What would you like to ask the only person who he watched got, the Ohio got State Elway, game? Uh, you got Elway uh, playoff win. I actually watched the Ohio State game in Ohio, by the way. Oh, my question was just the, the dichotomy between the two halves, where you look at the first half and how much Ohio State really yeah, owned it to start, as we talked about, you know, with touchdowns on their first four possessions, and very quick touchdowns, too. Nothing more than four plays. It's just bam, bam, bam. And then you get to the second half, and they barely touch the ball. They had the ball 10 times in the first half. They had the ball really four times in the second half. The last one was the interception to close out the game in the final minute and a half. But we already talked about the, this. No, I'm, I'm curious because, Paul, you're the one who said you watched it. You watched the adjustments. I mean, what adjustments allow for 
A, FAU having sustaining drives in the second half that they absolutely did not have in the first half, but also defensively not letting Ohio State keep the ball for very long in the second half. So it was a mixture of a few things. And the first thing is, the key is, Ohio State had touchdowns in their first four possessions. Just 28 nothing, very quickly in the game. First quarter, okay, first quarter is 28 nothing. You're like, wow, Ryan's right. They're going to win 70 to zero. Ohio State did not take their starters out. They did not adjust their game plan. Ohio State had five more possessions before the end of the half. So we had four touchdowns and four possessions. They had five more possessions the rest of the half. They finished with 28 points. Those possessions, three punts and two fumbles. And by the way, those two fumbles, uh, the one was third play of the drive. They had gone like, I don't know, five yards. And the other one, they had got a couple first downs. So it's not like they were driving down the field to the goal line and then coughed up the ball. Literally, the five possessions after those four, they got poo-pooed on by Florida Atlantic's defense. And it was not through lack of effort. What Florida Atlantic started doing is they started getting Fields off his spot and pressuring him a little bit. So what they did in the beginning of the game is they sat back in coverage. They set a lot of guys back in coverage. The problem is Florida Atlantic's still Florida Atlantic. And even though they had eight guys in coverage at the time, it wasn't enough and they were blowing routes. So they're like this isn't working, we shouldn't do this. They started moving guys around, they started sending some blitzes, they started stacking some guys up more, they mixed up their coverages, but the biggest thing they did is they got Fields off his spots and they didn't just let him sit there and just throw the guys open. If you looked at all those touchdowns, I mean, these guys were open by a mile. If you've seen the Michigan game, if you remember the Tariq Black touchdown where Shea Patterson kind of underthrew a ball to the end zone, but it didn't matter because no one was in like 30 yards of Tariq Black and he just sat there and waited for the ball and alligator under for a touchdown. That was like everything that Fields was passing to the first few drives. That's how open everybody was. As soon as that changed, it changed the complexity of the game, not from a, oh, Florida Atlantic could come back and win this game standpoint, but how the actual game was being played on the field. Ohio State couldn't score at will. In fact, they couldn't score at all for a while. They even punted on their first possession of the second half. Then I think they scored a touchdown after that, and they scored a couple touchdowns, got anything. But for a huge stretch of the game, we're talking almost two quarters, quarter and a half, almost two quarters, the FAU defense shut down a first-string Ohio State offense. That was playing to score. That was not – no, they didn't open the playbook like they're playing Michigan or Michigan State or Penn State, but they were not – holding back in I look at that as yes give props to FAU but it also shows you maybe a little bit where Ohio State and Justin Fields specifically can be vulnerable because he's not Dwayne Haskins he's not the quarterback that's going to sit there and pick you apart he's not that good I know everyone's sucking him off after all the touchdowns he accounted for in the game against FAU but he's not Dwayne Haskins did you all see this hit in the St. Francis Lehigh game on the punter? Yes. Jeez. Are you just yeah, seeing this? Just this now. is a Goldberg spear. Are you just <laughs> now seeing this? Punters are no, people. Sorry, who... I've spent the last couple days watching the Jackson State uh, mascot do his thing in the end zone. <laughs> all right. Yes. That was fantastic. He got a flag. Uh, I know. That is <laughs> such... He got a flag. That is, oh, no, no, don't don't know, know. That is garbage. <laughs> We had a lot of He jumped into the the pile. You leave. The play was over. He's trying to pull players off. It was a touchdown. (laughs) Literally no part of the game. 
My man was excited and he was celebrating. You don't dare throw a flag on him. No, he was drunk is what happened. (laughs) Is he still the mascot? Of course he's the mascot. He's a legend. No, but there are are things that coaches like just don't have enough. Escorted him out of the game. Like No, I'm I'm not talking about leaving the game. I'm talking about afterwards, like, yo, like hand in your head, you're fired. Legend. Coach wants to see you. Bring your head. Legend. Like if they were gonna axe him, they'd do it then. It's right there. AD comes down from right. the box. Just, just yank his head off and kick him out. Just, <laughs> takes the costume. Yep. Walk of shame naked. Hand, hands it to the backup quarterback. Here, put this on. Get you Be useful. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, let's get back to what matters. Yes. And, and let's that is talk Tennessee about... losing to Georgia State. No. Yes. No, far more. Yes. yes. This is far yes. more. Oh, yes. This is far more. Yes. 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 We have yes. to talk about the freshman debut of Matt Myers for the I Buffalo thought, Bulls. No, we need to. We're so we need so far away from football. talking about Buffalo. We're not even close we are, to Buffalo. We are, t- we are actually talking about Buffalo no. football right now. No, we we're talking about Matt Myers. We're talking about Tennessee losing to Georgia freaking State on levels of Michigan, Appalachian State. On levels of Michigan State, NTSU basketball. Oh, yes, it is. They lost at home to a school that was started not even a decade ago. Okay, here's the problem, though, is acting even a decade ago. You are trying to compare Tennessee right now to Michigan at that time, and that's insulting. Wait, is Like, they're not even close. Michigan is superior in every fashion to the Tennessee program. Are you guessing? He's guessing. What? I'm saying this upset is on par with that level. Same as Troy walking into Death Valley and beating LSU a couple years ago. Georgia State walks into Tennessee's backyard and This is worse because Tennessee is already a dying program, and this is the bullet. That's why it's worse. (laughs) It's the nail. It is is the bullet to the temple. Nighty-night, you are done. You have a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand size stadium on a river. You may as well push Neyland Stadium the into the river. In Dylan's, whatever. The ESPN ranked all the divisions in college football, not conferences, divisions. The SEC East came in ahead of the Big Ten East. <laughs> Can you believe sure. that? I can, but I also know that's total shite, well, just like we talked about two weeks ago. Any <laughs> neurons firing between their ears <laughs> it knows, but I, I just thought that was kind of funny. You know what? I think the best the best segue here is who's a better football program at this moment, Buffalo or Tennessee? <laughs> Guys, what say you about the Bulls' chances of becoming be- a blue blood? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? I would say about as good as their chances that they had this past season I just in the threw NCAA in my mouth. tourney. <laughs> uh, why do you guys hate them so much? They're it's not that we hate don't them. Don't hate them. They're just they not noteworthy. Are. Yes, they are. They're so not. In basketball, so... they might be a little noteworthy. They were. They're they're good, they are a really good athletic program that nobody respects. And, and the it. one game you went to for them in Detroit last year, how'd they do? <laughs> You know why nobody respects them? Because they're not very good. Oh, my. They're just not relevant. They're not bad or good. I don't care. For a mid-tier, they are a very solid dual athletic program. You know what? They actually are the better program named Bulls right now. What are you you ooing? South Florida sucks. That's not saying anything. Jesus (laughs) Christ. South Florida only sucks now after Wisconsin ran all over them. 
All right. Hey, 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 hey. If there was not a Wait, delay, but, we have but, a different it was, discussion. but it's hot and sticky down there. Wisconsin's going to have issues. Listen, no, the actually, is... no, the issues is that apparently a hurricane decides that it doesn't want to destroy Florida at the time of taping. That's what I was and so, say. Yeah, That's if it wasn't thing. a delay, South Florida was ready to go. But apparently, then, then Wisconsin was oh, able okay. to get their Dorian playbook, and that's what happened. This, this guy named, for like this Dorian guy is currently finally moving north. He had a personal vendetta against the Bahamans. He was like, "Fuck these people and f- yeah. them in particular." Yeah, and he was also like, "F South Florida, I'm going to ruin their game plan and make them look embarrassed." When that's what, you know what? That that's what makes Florida State's loss even worse is that the game moved from neutral site to a home game for the Seminoles. It's because they got dehydrated. And you, because Willie Taggart wants you got to dehydrated drop. in your home where you, you should know asshole. how the weather is. I mean, don't you, you know have IVs? Yeah, but also, did. if you were, if your team was dehydrated, why'd you move the game then, dumbass? Or at least move like, it north. <laughs> why did you move? Just why? stay in the stadium. Look at all this water. <laughs> like, like fuck, get out man. of the southeast. Look at all this water. I no, yeah, that's it's my problem so to me. In perfect segue. I love Florida so State, man. What you this should sucks. do if your team's dehydrated is you should give them an IV. In Michigan, who has a real program and real facilities, did that. Tariq Black got dehydrated at halftime. They shot him up with an IV. And he and came Nico out Collins kept dropping balls, so they gave him stickers. You're trying to Shut say what, what was in that bag was water? I hope. Uh, it's <laughs> what my, are you our sources <laughs> say probably. Oh, okay, with the sources. I I'm thought over great athletes were supposed to cramp up and get carried off the court when they got dehydrated. <laughs> All right. We are not talking. It's so, so early. To be talking NBA, we're not going to do this, and you're not going to disparage LeBron for no reason. <laughs> oh, you mean you mean ISO Joe? No to reason. Business? Yes, please, spend, God, yes, please bring his 38 year old ass to Detroit, please. A ton of deserved time yeah. on MSU. I, I, I do, I do want to tell Dylan something just about Buffalo real quick. You know their punter one to Bishop Foley. Yes, fantastic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. Well, what do you, you mean? don't have to. Ryan would know. <laughs> right. Like, what, 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 what are the stakes of that? Dylan knew. <laughs> no, it's like, it, uh, because, okay, our program uh, that I used to coach for had home games at Bishop Sorry. Foley. So the athletic director and stuff is already all, is already mean? there. And, his, so and that punter's the jersey is hanging up in the rafters. No, but he was talking about how, their, how one of their Shit, guys was being sought by an <laughs> FBS program. Probably the... Probably the second best football make, player they've ever had. I think this makes Ryan the only one without sources. Our condolences. I, I would hardly say what I had uh, was a source. But, a I mean, I, I went to I went to the school, so. Oh shit! <laughs> right. Like he didn't. He, what do you? Why do you think he brought up Bishop Foley? What I is this? I didn't right. know Ryan graduated. Oh come on, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yes, he went come to on. Oakland. He had to have graduated and to I, do that. I was kidding. Just because he, he hasn't used his degree like half of this country doesn't mean he didn't graduate. Oh, I love you all. The one school we really haven't talked about is Michigan. The Buffalo Bulls. <laughs> Let's talk God, about it. God dang it. Mac Matt, leaders, did you watch the Michigan the game? Uh, unfortunately, I only saw bits and pieces of it. I got did only one thing to say about it. Did you see the good bits and pieces or the Butterfinger bits and pieces? <laughs> I, I saw the good bits and pieces, actually. Well, that's nice. nice. Did, did you see... Someone that I talked about a few podcasts ago, like maybe six podcasts ago. Oh man, you, are, you, you, you hit the you hit that you hit that like a fifty yard floater in stride. I that 
You were right. That guy, that guy looks real solid. Did you just <laughs> combine football and basketball terms? I actually yeah. like that. And golf? That was, that was pretty nice. <laughs> a 50 sure, that's what he did. <laughs> I was, was like, really hype <laughs> on a freshman. Like, more hype on a freshman than did I normally am. Did you just dunk that home run? So many things can derail freshmen. But the one of the reasons that I felt strong convictions about this is Michigan fans have been extremely burnt about hyped-up running backs. Like, more than most programs. Because we've had... A handful recently, just very, very hyped up running backs from Sam McGuffey to Ben Mace, Derek Walton, Derek Ty, Green. whatever his name was from USC that I can't even remember. They haven't panned out. Cream Walker's another one. We just haven't had bad luck with highly oh, Mike running Hart. backs. Mike Hart is the Mike Hart. I don't think was a very highly rated running back. Denard Robinson, last good running back. Yeah. <laughs> Denard Robinson, <laughs> but. Michigan this year was bringing in a back to their program that was a borderline five-star. He was a very high four-star recruit. And this kid is different. As anyone knows who watched the game, his name is Zach Charbonnet. And one of the surprises of the game to most outside people is that he started. True freshman starting game one for the Mason Blue at running back. I said before oh, same, this season yeah. that he was going to be the breakout player of the year. And what I didn't say, because you can't say it before a season starts, you can't say it before someone's ever even been on campus without sounding like a Looney Tunes homer. But I will say it now, is regardless of what happens this year or next, Zach Charbonnet is going to be the greatest running back in Michigan program history. Okay, that's because utterly insane. It's not because you have so many good backs. We do, that's but good, but how many great ones? Like actually great. He ones. has. I mean, okay, but that depends if you want to include pro. Because if that's the case, then none. But <laughs> if you're if you're going to talk about, about college, the program, they've had a ton. Uh, or pro game. I, I'm speaking strictly college. Zach Sherman yeah, no, has. No chance. You have real good backs. The total package that no back we've ever had has. Here. Passing game, check. Size, check. How about blocking? I have never seen a freshman back How about in his first game take on blisters or anybody the way he does. The way he hits the weight room. Yeah, like Middle Tennessee blitzers. His dedication. Wow. This is a kid that is going, listen, I, I don't care who you are. When you're Phenomenal. a running back taking on a 275-pound man coming off the edge, I don't care where he goes to school at. I'm going to be honest. If you can take that man as a freaking freshman in your first game, that says a ton about you. What makes him special is the fact that he is the complete package. He's elusive. He'll run through you. He'll run around you. He has legit four, 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 five speed, so it's not like he's <clears throat> slow and can't break away from guys. He is going to be a pro after three years if he wants to. If he's one of those weird Michigan kids that wants to stick around and get his degree and it takes him more than three years and we're somehow blessed with his fourth year, which I hope we're not because as much as I'd love to see it, running backs have a short shelf life, go pro. He is going to be the best running back Michigan has ever had. So you think that he's going to be better than Anthony Carter, Anthony Thomas, and Chris Perry? And Mike Hart. And Tim Biakabatuka? And I was going to say that. God dang it. <laughs> right? He left uh, out the best name. Well, he, look, so, I'm just saying that I I don't think he's going to be better than those guys. That's that's putting too high a bar now, on this kid. He could still be phenomenal and not reach those heights. The, the, the gut reaction 
to me saying this, people are going to be like, dude, it's Middle Tennessee State. Are you kidding it's, me? It's like I said that. This has nothing to do with Middle Tennessee State to me. It is him confirming. It is he came and confirmed in his Talk, first. Tell us about them intangibles. As a true freshman, Let's nothing go. to do with intangibles. A eh, little bit to do with intangibles. Obviously, oh, he's yeah, dedicated. Yeah. You don't come into this program as a true freshman and start day one if you're not. Paul, who's Can the first real yourself? defense you guys face? Wisconsin. It's gonna be Wisconsin. next. Well, in theory, it Wisconsin. should have been next week, but we know that's not the case anymore. <laughs> no, he's at defense. Yes. Why Army's defense was good last year. But why not do you say – you just said we know that's not the case. They held Rice to seven points. Why do we know that's not the case? It, it, just like I'm giving you shit for Middle Tennessee, it was freaking Rice, dude. It was Rice. I'm not complaining. I'm saying why do you say that's not the case now? Because I, ha- I don't think that defense is going to be able to handle being on the field that long. So they're not – you won't – even if they were solid enough, it's like the Michigan so State thing. So you're saying it's because they're offense? I don't think that – I think that the T.O.P. is not going to be in the way that an Army defense is accustomed to. That will give them success. So they're going to get gashed. All right, so to answer your question, Matt, as I said anyways. Wisconsin. Army got gashed on the ground this week. Wisconsin in week right, four. Geez, we have a bye week week three. Yep. Perfectly timed, to be honest. So, okay, so there's there's the barometer that we should really look for this running back to see really what he's going to be. Yeah. Well, he's going to be amazing. I'm not doubting you. Oh, I wasn't doubting you. Know you. No, no, sorry, I was not I, doubting you. I was giving our listeners a game to pay attention to to I see what say, this guy's really going to be. I will say his yards are a little skewed compared to the other running backs because his juju magic. He has the most yards. The line literally opened bigger holes for him. But... The advantage he has is he never misses a freaking hole. And he goes through it extremely quickly with patience. And I know that seems like an oxymoron, but I, I compared this guy. I don't remember if it was on podcast or off. I said he runs like a combination of Le'Veon Bell and Leonard Fournette, but he's faster. A weird combo. Well, the, so behind the line in hitting hole, he, he's so much like Le'Veon Bell. He'll he'll put a hand on a blocker through so one game. Patience, no, not through one game. This was high school tape, was what I based that. I'm on. not. I, I don't mean, give a shit about high here. school. You kidding well, me right now? You're telling me you don't know what kind of to compare him to Le'Veon Bell right now is very. It's his running style. Yeah, I'm talking. Specifically you said he hits holes as good as style. Le'Veon did. My point That's is, it. is he's patient. He allows the hole to develop. He has excellent vision. He knows where it's supposed to be. I'm not just talking about this game. But you'll see. I mean, you'll see it all year. You'll see it the next year and the year after. Because he can't go pro for a while. He's only a freshman. Thank God. Mm -hmm. All right. Riveting. Riveting. Is there anything else we want to talk about? (laughs) This motherfucker talked Buffalo football and has the nerve to say riveting to you. I'm sorry, I like interesting storylines, but y'all don't want to talk about the Buffalo-Penn State game, so... I, I think a freshman running back, one of the few true freshman starters in school history, leading a potential playoff team is a storyline, but maybe that's just me. I it, Again, it's, kind of, it's the same thing I talked to you about before the cast. I'm not even arguing it's interesting or not, but right now, it's not. It, but it's, it's I want to get out in front of it. I'm not going to be well, no, because guy. what because what happened because eight when he's bowled through half the schedule. You have been recorded like, wow, about Charbonnet way before this. This is really good. Well, but I'm I'm upping the ante. I am Fine, letting it be known right now. If if for whatever reason, Ohio, like Wisconsin holds him to like 
let's say two and a half, three yards a carry, then this game. whole conversation was pointless. Not pointless. <laughs> it's, it's a bad game. I'm not going to change my mind. Like, I'm, Regardless, this kid has the total package. Like, yeah, that's right. It would be, it would be the biggest scouting uh, error. I like. I've never, I've never been this wrong about someone if he doesn't hit that next level. I, I don't know, like, Jabril. You were pretty far off on it. Jabril I mean, his ankles are had still healing. Awesome year last year. So, then, uh, so, so, so what? I thought you didn't. I, I thought you didn't talk about pros, dude. Okay, you literally had, just said he that. was a Heisman finalist his final season. He also cost his team a playoff spot by not tackling didn't Akram Wadley. Didn't do that at all. at all. That's not why we lost that You're game. You're right. He didn't do it at all. Anyways, we move on. So, the Buffalo Bulls That's, are playing against Penn all State. We get, all we get about Michigan is the running back. I don't want to talk about anything Matt else, Ryan. man. We, we spent uh, an hour on MSU. Well, no, we're at an hour now, and we sure as shit did not. We spent a lot of that on MSU. I would like to hear what Ryan and Matt have to say about concerns from Michigan, about stuff that they liked, how they I'm project Michigan going like, forward. I, well, in fairness, Matt said that he barely watched the game. I did not watch the game, so. And I flipped back and forth. So my the biggest concern I had watching the game, but it didn't really show up on the box score, is it seemed like they struggled at least at first to contain – a uh, mobile quarterback, or at least a somewhat mobile quarterback, and I don't know what that gentleman's name was, something Ash. Other than that, I didn't have too many big concerns. Sh- uh, Seamus, some O'Hara. deep passes. Was that Ash O'Hara or O'Hara Ash, or is that just his last name? I think it was Ash O'Hara or O'Hara, whatever. The- Regardless, there were some there were some throws that were missed. Ash. I mean, O'Hara. after after they went. Um, 7-0, they got up, what, 17-7, and then maybe 24-7. I kind of stopped flipping through the game at that point, only because it's okay. It's clear they're not going to win. After Middle Tennessee State first scored, I watched Michigan went down and hit a field goal, so now it's only or it's still only 7-3, to and you can see Middle Tennessee State get fired up. Their center had to be taken off the field for something, but you saw them on the sideline. Just absolutely wild and out, so that was kind of fun. And then Michigan really just took over the game from there. And then ball security issues. So I know you said uh, you weren't necessarily too concerned about all the fumbles. The one thing that's probably more concerning is if Shea is going to be running the ball that much. I think he had nine carries. You want him to be able to secure the ball better than he was able to. Because while it didn't cost you against them, that can cost you against a team like Michigan State or Wisconsin, Ohio State, any just really the tougher teams on your schedule. If they do expect to play Shea all year quarterback, that's something that's going to need to get taken care of. I mean, I know some fans that would like them to not play Shea all year quarterback. That's right. Keep using McCaffrey on jet sweeps and wide receiver screens. I'm, the only thing, I mean, look, I, I enjoyed what I did see as far as the you know newer updated offense. Uh, it's going to be entertaining to watch for sure. Uh, one of the things I did notice just um, from the little bits I did watch is that I saw a quarterback on a lesser team play pretty damn well against that Michigan defense, you know, completing over 65% of his passes. So my only question regarding that is, you know, how is that defense going to hold up against better competition, better quarterbacks, better offensive lines? Um, you know, obviously the... It's 
it is opening day, yes, but it's not like you were opening against Notre Dame. It's not like you were opening against a rival of any kind. So playing down to competition could definitely make up for some of this. Um, and, you know, they, they I'm sure the secondary will play better. But when I see a quarterback like O'Hara being able to complete the majority of his passes by a wide margin, be able to move the ball, and then I think of something like a Justin Fields waiting at the end of the year, I just wonder, you know, you know, you got a couple months to take care of it and figure it out. But that secondary, I'm just not sold on yet. So the thing with the passes, it's it's kind of a bit of fake news for a myriad of reasons. The percentage, the percentage especially, it was pretty much a little short dump off, quick release, throw a two-yard pass in space. That's the stuff he was hitting. That's stuff that you're not even necessarily trying to shut down. You're just tackle the ball carrier when he gets the ball. His yardage came, his big chunky yardage came on one of the last plays of the game when they scored a late touchdown against our, I don't even, million string defense mm-hmm. on a blown coverage where, um, what's safety? Kelly Powell and, um, uh, who's the other, the safety in coverage? I can't remember. Safety blew the assignment, going for a pick, should not have done it, and then JKP just completely blew the tackle. And he runs 59 yards pretty much untouched the end zone, right? You take that out, he had 158 yards passing on 31 attempts. Uh, I don't have to be a math major to tell you that's like five yards an attempt. That's not good. That's not good football. So, yeah, his completion percentage was there, but he didn't do anything against this defense that would scare you going forward against anybody, against any decent quarterback. And he had a pick, a really nice pick by Ambry Thomas. He should have had a pick six. He literally threw it. Straight Great comeback by Thomas, by the way, after di- being diagnosed with what colitis? Oh like a yes. week ago. And that's a story. <laughs> what the the best thing is, and I mean, Michigan coaches and the team has talked about it, but outside, everyone in the media was like, "Man, the, the Michigan secondary is really inexperienced. They're really banged up. Ambry Thomas might, God knows how much time he's going to miss, and when's he going to be ready for game action? When's he actually going to be to full strength?" The dude comes back, starts game one. Balls out game one. He had an interception, a fumble recovery, a couple big open field tackles. And it's just media silence. Hilarious. But back to the quarterback thing. You take out one broken play at the end of the game against a defense that's never going to be on the field when it matters. And he didn't do anything. If So what? He completes 60% of his two-yard passes. Congratulations. It's not getting you down the field. It's not getting you points. So their points were off miscues. There was a touchdown we just described, and then the two, we fumbled deep in our own zone. Uh, Shea Patterson decided he didn't want to hold on to the football anymore, so he just dropped it deep in our own territory. And then Lavert Hill muffs a punt, and those are their two touchdowns. Would it have been nice for the defense to hold there? Of course it would have. But young defense game one, not a Yeah, big you got to expect that stuff to be fixed going forward. The, honestly, the most frustrating thing the entire game for me was the inconsistent push that we got in the run game. The strength of our team is going to be the offensive line, which, by the way, kudos to two freshmen starting on the offensive line at the tackle positions and more than holding their own, doing a great job all game and holding up in pass pro especially. Now, caveat, it is Middle Tennessee State. This is not the Ohio State defensive front that we are facing, but you see it there. You see especially Ryan Hayes, the way he mirrored guys in pass pro. Both of them have extremely quick feet for tackles that help beat their guy to the edge and push him away from the pocket. The lack of push, consistent push in the run game, was frustrating. Sometimes they would blow lines wide open, and 
the running back would be able to run for 10 yards on touch. And then you've seen where we couldn't get a fourth and one against Middle Tennessee State. And that's frustrating. And I know Michigan State fans feel the same frustration because I'm pretty sure you had back-to-back in one place that you couldn't get enough push on. And that's the kind of thing that you could say, well, it's week one, maybe they weren't, the effort wasn't there. That That is a concern to me. The strength of your team, arguably the best interior line in the entire country, you got to be able to get it done there. Well, that's where I wonder, you know, I mean, are they the best interior line in the country? You would think of the best one in the country would be able to get it done on fourth and one against Middle Tennessee. In that, though I will say, on the flip side of that coin, Middle Tennessee blitzed pretty much the entire game. A lot of zero blitzes. And <laughs> we need to. We need to. Oh, they did need to. But the line in the backs picked it up for the most part. We had how many sacks did we give up the game? I want to say two, three. And one Not of them many. was fully on Shay's Fully on Shea, one of them was. So, at the end of the day, two sacks. Middle Tennessee had two sacks, sending zero blizzards all day. Uh, for those on podcast that doesn't know what that is, that's where you send nobody in coverage, basically, and send everybody to rush the passer. You're just uh, abandoning all hope. And they it's called bringing the house. All game. And they didn't allow them to completely derail the offense with those blitzes. So... It's a little hit or miss. It's week one, just like Michigan State. Ton of stuff to clean up. Ton of stuff you can project on. I don't see the same long-term concern for Michigan that I do Michigan State regarding we talked about Michigan State's offensive line and how is that going to get better. I see an easier path for Michigan to correct what looked rough, if that makes sense. No, absolutely makes sense. And, you know... Let's not kid ourselves here. You guys have the better team, so it should be an easier path for you guys to correct your mistakes than what Michigan State has to deal with. I was, so I was going to turn it over because we're going to do the picks later, and Dylan really, really, really wanted to pick Buffalo-Penn State, mostly uh-huh. so that he could shit on Penn State and a little bit so he could talk up Buffalo because he likes Buffalo a lot, all things. The Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Buffaloes. It's not. That's not right. That's not. That is not right. <laughs> Why isn't it? I why do we I'm, not have? Why do so we not have a Bulls. Buffalo Buffaloes team? It's because so frustrating. The Bulls. But it's so frustrating. <laughs> Give me a Buffalo Buffaloes team. Um, but Dylan Sabres? really did want to pick this game, and uh, we had a it. lot better games to pick. So we're not picking it. But I would like Dylan to convince us why this game is compelling, and tell me you you can pick against the spread. For yourself. It's not going to count towards the picks, but so that you are on record with your extremely intelligent pick. Well, the reason why is because, as I had alluded to previously, the Buffalo Bulls, believe it or not, have been a really good and consistent program. Just in in some total in the mid-tier. Dylan's going right? to be so mad when I cut this. I'm kidding. I'm fucking kidding, dude. God, relax. I'm fucking kidding. Good night, y'all. I hate you. (laughs) Dylan, please continue. No more interrupting Dylan, assholes. (laughs) This was a 10 win team last year, okay? So that's something that we have to keep in mind. Buffalo have performed better than most mid tier teams. They have, are really on the up and up. They have a really good roster, and they have a dual-threat quarterback, Mark Myers. He is a freshman. He had, like, no stat line last week, and part of it is because the running game for Buffalo was, like, ridiculous. 
four different guys scored rushing touchdowns. There were, I believe, seven different players that had at least four carries. Uh, And Penn State, yeah, they beat the crap out of Idaho. But again, Idaho was so god-awful, they had to go from FBS to FCS. That's how bad they were. Again, this is a 10-win football team that Buffalo has. So, again, it's not like they're they're a 3-9 Miami, Ohio or something like that. I think it'll be closer, partially because if everybody's remembering correctly, Penn State, with a better roster, with Miles Sanders and uh, Trace McSorley and... Deshaun Hamilton, I think, was on the team last year as well. All of them, they still almost lost in the opening, I think it was opening weekend, against, was it Akron? Ryan, you remember? Because we were watching at Paul's wedding. The Mighty Six. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, it was was Akron. They almost lost at home to Akron, which is a substantially worse team than this Buffalo team is. And a dual-threat quarterback with a coach that legitimately... Oh, that was it. Yep. App State. And that, that was, was a it. game they needed overtime to beat them. That they did. And they I, did I not remember watching to win that game. I watched that game mm-hmm. after the fact, of course, but I remember because it was because I had my iPad and Don, Ryan, and myself, myself were all watching. Claire kept telling me to turn the game off, and I'm like, mm, "That's not happening. This is a Penn State's going to lose right now." I hate Penn State probably more than anyone else on this podcast, and outside of Pittsburgh fans, I think I'm probably hate them more than anybody else because James Franklin is a joke. They have lame-ass jerseys, their coach doesn't know shit, and I hope they lose this game, especially against a school that I really like. The spread is far too large. Penn State plays down, especially at home to these sort of teams. I think the Bulls are going to make it close. They'll be within 20 points for certain and they may make it even tighter it depends on how the freshman is able to handle the penn state crowd so this 30 point spread is free money to you uh i just don't see how a team that won 10 games last year and had a quarterback that just did not help them in many spots tyree jackson who i'm referencing uh, I just don't see how a 10-win team is going to lose by 30 points, especially against a Penn State squad that just, again, plays down in these sort of games. Dylan. And they're not they're not as talented offensively either. Dylan's lock of the week, everybody. All right, we've graduated from college, moved on to the pros, and we've got a few, we've got a few picks to make ahead of week one of the Shield, the National Football League. Uh, quite a few games on the slate. The league is ready to get underway. Almost everyone is ready to show up. Sands a few running backs here or there for some uh, prominent teams, uh, most notably the Los Angeles Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys, which is still mind-boggling that we're this close to the season and they're doing this. But, Paul, we had some picks last week in the college games, and we'll have some later picks for the college games as well. But should we start with how we did, or are we diving in first? No, we always start with how we did. Like okay, so let's start how precurs- we did. Precursor the listeners so that they know who they should listen to and who they can ignore. <laughs> last year was, or last week, I'm sorry, was extremely Oh, we rough. should bring up last year's. <laughs> Saturday was ridiculous. I Butterfingers all over. Michigan State, we all watched the game and none of us still know how they didn't cover. But is any of us really surprised? No, I'm shocked. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm not. I, you guys have PTSD. I'm shocked. That's utterly With ridiculous. With good reason. And we all picked Michigan State for good reason. Ridiculous. Northwestern Stanford, the bad beat of probably the year. Oh, my 
I mean, are you yes. kidding me right now? Absolutely. Northwestern literally fumbles, forcing. They're at the goal line. Their quarterback gets knocked out and fumbles the ball. Wait, Lady their own goal line? No, 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 no. I'm talking about earlier in the game. Oh no, let's talk about let's talk about the sealer though. I'm talking about. Hold on, I'm talking about their first one. So they fumbled away those points and lost a quarterback. Now their backups in. Who their backup is? Who I thought would start the year anyways. Former five star Hunter Johnson was the number one ranked quarterback coming out by some services. He gets in the game. He's doing his thing. Northwestern's trying to drive. They're down by a couple points, trying to last second magic. He gets lit the F up, and he decides he's going to fumble the ball too. So whatever, not a big deal. He fumbles, Stanford falls on it, ends the game, they cover. No, 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 no. He fumbles like in the end zone. Stanford falls on it. It's a touchdown. Yeah. Stanford covers a spread they had no business covering. Give me that back door. Stanford covers a spread they scored 10 offensive points the entire game despite having the ball for like 50 freaking minutes. Scott Van Pelt lost his nose hairs on that one. You got Michigan. We <laughs> talked about the fact that they couldn't hold on to the ball. Four fumbles, numerous drops, everything you could imagine—all of just absurdity. And then you yeah, got Oregon. Oregon versus Bo Nix. Yeah. Kinda Oregon dominates the game. Shame on you, Oregon. Blows the game. Twenty-one to up, six. And they could just lose on a last-second field goal to still cover the spread. No. Wait, was it right? Wait, wait time out. Wasn't it six and a half? It was three and a half. It fell yeah. from six and a half. It was oh, initially and six and a half. Got and it, it got fell it, to three it. and a half when we made our pick. They're up. So or- yeah. Oregon's in good shape. Oregon was dominating the game. Then they kind of blew up, but they were still in good shape. Well, Auburn's driving, trying to. they're down by a point, trying to win. You figure, okay, well, worst case scenario, Auburn gets the ball down, kicks a field goal, game over, Oregon covers. No. Touchdown, 16 seconds left. Absurd. I, it's just Saturday's games were stupid. So Madden and Ryan... Naturally, won picks last week. What do you mean naturally? What are you trying to say? These games were stupid, so you won the picks. Two plus two is four. Ryan, is he calling us stupid? (laughs) Call me whatever he wants. You just don't listen to him. (laughs) Matt and Ryan went a respectable six and four over our first week of picks. The all-college affair, mostly garbage games with massive double-digit spreads. Congratulations. Pulling up the second-place train, both That's going to sound really weird when I piece that together to be congratulations. <laughs> I just leave it like you did last week, you cuck. Why is that the insult word you use? It's what's, right. it's what's sprung to mind. All right, whatever. Pulling up second place... Myself and our guest who's never here, Donald Drysdale, both went four and six in picks. And pulling up the rear <laughs> with a little bit of a rough week, uh, Dylan only got Thursday games. He went two and eight, but he will have a better week this week. God damn. So with that, we're going to start Dylan with the picks mm. to give him a shot at redemption. And we start the same place we started last week. Same state, anyways. And with one of the same coaches. And that is Luke Fickle. Dick bag number one. <laughs> Traveling a very short distance to Columbus from Cincinnati. Ohio State is a 16.5 point home favorite. That's it? Oh, yeah. That's, That's it. it? That's it. Yeah. That was my reaction, too. Oh, yeah, that was, 
Those Cincy boys are coming. Now, now wait, wait, now hang on. There was a, there was, there was some. I don't know if there was a bet done, but there was some talk done because Ryan picked this game when we were talking about games to look forward to to start the season yep, a couple yep, podcasts yep, ago. Yep, yep. What? Absolutely. What was the What was the back and forth on that? Dylan has a lot to say about this game. That's what I know. Alrighty. So here's the thing. I asked a legitimate Ryan's question. Gonna sit, call you. <laughs> Ryan's going to sit there and tout this greatness <laughs> of this game. And, oh, man, look, at it. it's a 16.5-point spread. You know what else is great, though? Is that that's not UCLA. That is the, the trademark Ohio State. And after Ryan Day's first game, as we discussed, where he was, a, he was feeling out his quarterback, I mean, we saw their potential. 28 points in the first quarter. We saw what they're capable of. And I, that second half really gave them a lot to a lot to mill over. And I just don't. Again, I've I've talked about it already. I, I don't see this as a close game. And uh, especially at sixteen and a half, seventeen. You're telling me at seventeen points that's good enough? I'm gonna take the Buckeyes. And I I mean we're talking probably thirty five seventeen something like that. Where it'll be probably less than twenty, but yeah, I still think they'll cover. This game with Cincinnati not necessarily traveling, but going in-state to Ohio State, Cincinnati pulled off their win last week. Luke Fickle, of course, was the interim coach at Ohio State, so he's looking for his own sort of revenge tour, if you will. But he looks like Adam Sandler, and we just had our longest yard. And he looks like Adam Sandler, and we just had the longest yard in our movie bracket. So go check that out if you haven't. But it made it all the way to the finals. This game will be closer than a lot of people think. Last week, Ohio State got outscored uh, by Florida Atlantic, 21 to 17, basically through three and a half quarters. So I expect Cincinnati to come out a little bit more prepared than Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic bunch, and they're just a better team. Won 11 games last year, returning um, a lot of their players as well. So we're going to take the Bearcats to cover. I like how Ryan Skew is falling behind 28-0 as Florida Atlantic outscoring Ohio State for three and a half quarters. That was good. That's extremely relevant. That is extremely relevant. Skews. Blasphemy. No, it's definitely a skew, but it's it's still great. Uh, As much as I want to believe that Cincinnati is going to cover this spread and take the points, that UCLA team is not good, still not good, and Cincinnati had troubles with that game. I don't know how they go into the horseshoe and give the Buckeyes a game. I think Justin Fields, who played fantastic or very good, let's not let's not get into an argument over words here like last week, uh, played very good against uh, lesser competition at FAU. I think he's going to be even better in Week Two, and uh, I do think the Buckeyes cover this. Spread gives me pause for all the wrong reasons because I had Cincinnati penciled in from a mile away, kind of like Ryan did. And then I was like, wow, that spread is not the 24 plus you'd expect. And at first I'm like, no, the spread's really low. It might have to force me to change my mind. But then I thought to myself, that spread is low for a reason. And everybody looks at Ohio State and they're like, wow, at home, less than 17 point favorite against in-state Cincinnati. Are you kidding me? Every public money is going to be 95% on Ohio State. So then I go back to my immediate thoughts. I look at Luke Fickle. 
a guy who's a defensive coach, a guy who by all accounts, his players would bury bodies for him. A guy who coached at Ohio State and it didn't go so well and he's on his ultimate redemption tour. Completely turned his career around. It's going to be. We've seen redemption tours end horribly at Ohio State. Why do you guys keep keep talking about the time he was interim, like he wasn't there after that for for, for, what five seasons, like five or six seasons? Because he he was on the staff. He was their D coordinator. Luke Fickle refers back to that time in those terms. He talks about his quote unquote final game coaching in the shoe and it was when he was a head coach those are the terms that he uses and what has dictated his turnaround as a coach and pretty soon he's going to be leaving Cincinnati looking for a job close in caliber to another Ohio State trying to lead another big time program he's a defensive guy he knows the program inside and out he knows the territory he knows what to prep his team for what to expect going into that environment this should be the springboard to those big jobs he's dreaming of. I have Cincinnati covering this. A team that certainly did not cover last week, Butterfingers U. You got Michigan is hosting Army, and we've, we've already given so much airtime to this game in past casts. And I'll be interested to see if Dylan has changed his tune at all, because Dylan gets to pick first. Michigan is a... 22 and a half point favorite at home against the Army and it kind of the opposite of the Ohio State game I bet the spread is a little higher than a lot of people anticipated the T.O.P. and the way they'll slow the game down it's probably going to be within the tw- the spread that doesn't mean it's a close game though I just they, they really lost faith with me uh, with how they performed I don't think that offense is going to help that defense at all even though they're a solid team roster overall but they can't score enough so that's probably going to be like a 28-10, something like that. So that's that's what I got. So I'll, I'll take Army for the, the cover on that. I'll take Army, not feeling particularly good about it. If you take into account the time of possession and things that can break right for Army, there just might not be enough time on or in the game for Michigan to score 45 or 50 points, something that would very, very much clear them of covering the spread and you figure the way that army plays football on offense with their you know triple option if they can break two or three of those runs um and get michigan into like a 35 to 21 or 35 18 game that's still you know enough for army to get the job done as far as we're concerned which is how i think the game ends up going so i'll take army with the points (sighs) this one's tough because You know, you saw some sloppiness out of Michigan, obviously, to start the game especially. Army didn't exactly look (laughs) extraordinary uh, having issues with Rice. Uh, Obviously, defensively, they looked fine, but Michigan and Rice are two different animals uh, when it comes to offense that you're having to deal with. Obviously, it's it's obvious. If Army can do what Army has done for the most part over these so many years of really just controlling – time of possession with their running game because let's be honest they don't have much of a passing game so all they're trying to do is run it's really going to come down to Michigan's pride I think if Michigan really steps it up defensively really is able to shut down Army who's already a one-dimensional offense really one-dimensional offense 
I don't think the time of possession is really going to be that much in Army's favor. And I understand last year in Oklahoma and all that. Um, but I, oddly enough, I have faith in this Michigan team to really con- corral Army's running game and make it not nearly as much of a factor as it's been in years past. Uh, it's a big spread. <sighs> can easily see this being like a 37-17 game, which is not enough to cover the spread. Yeah, I have all the faith in the world of Michigan winning this game big, but 22.5 points, that's a really big spread. I'm going to have to go with the, with the Knights. Ask me this question a week ago, my answer is completely different. And again, the spread is an indicator to me, the spread being so large. And part of it is going to be Maybe a slight overreaction to Army and Rice. Army looked terrible against Rice. Nobody should look terrible against This is a team that hung 70 points on Houston in a bowl game at the end of last year. Now we know Houston's defense is garbage. but yeah, It makes 70, Jalen Hurts less 70, impressive. 70 points is pretty absurd. They pretty much returned that whole team, but then they scored 14 against Rice. And Don Brown, again, came out and said this week, we've been preparing defensively for this since the spring. Not in fall camp, not a few weeks ago, since spring. They shut down the run. As frustrating as it was at parts last week, two and a half yards of carry maybe to Middle Tennessee State. That's all Army does. And Dylan talked about before they got a quarterback that can kind of throw the ball a little bit right now. Not against Michigan. Not against that secondary. It's not happening. Army's only chance is to try to break contain on the edge. And I don't think they have the athletes to exploit Michigan the way that they'll need to. 22.5 points is a lot, but time of possession isn't going to be a factor if you can't get consistent first downs, and Michigan doesn't need a lot of time to score anymore. One thing that I loved about last week's game plan is they took a lot more shots more consistently than they have in past years. They are not afraid to score quickly. This is going to be a 30-plus point game. I am going to take Michigan into a game that will be extremely disappointing if it's a 30-point-plus game. We have one of our two ranked matchups of the week, Texas A&M. And I don't know if he still is, but I know Dylan was high on the fighting Jimbo Fishers before this season, at least at some point during the offseason. He was talking up, Texas A&M train is coming. Johnny Manziel 2.0. They're traveling to the other Death Valley, Clemson. Defending national champs over a borderline top 10 SEC team, and they are a 17 and a half point favorite at home. So, as Paul had mentioned previously, yes, I have been very high on Texas A&M Jimbo Fisher getting that program moving forward. Last year, with the less talented squad, Texas A&M was able to take Clemson down to the wire. And this is a school that, because of Jimbo Fisher's ACC experience, he has been able to win really big games in Death Valley. He will get that team up and prepared. On top of that, it's not a night game. It's a 3.30 kick. And far more importantly, Clemson did not look like world beaters. Now, yes, T. Higgins was looking phenomenal. But Trevor Lawrence was showing at least a marginal amount of a sophomore slump. So I will take Texas A&M to cover. I mean, Clemson still won by, what, 38? It was this Georgia game Tech. is tough, though. They look like world beaters. But this game's tough, man, because it's one of those 
one of those games where you think, you know, hey, an SEC team should be able to beat an ACC team, but Clemson might just be better than really everybody else. And who knows how good Texas A&M is in the SEC. The 17 and a half is obviously tricky for a reason because you could peg Clemson to win just by 17 and you'd be wrong. I picked, so when we wrote down our picks for our other, I guess, pick competition, you want to say, I put down A&M at first glance, but after thinking about it, I think I am going to take Clemson on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum that if you don't think Trevor Lawrence looked good last week because he didn't necessarily, I don't think there's a chance that he comes out and looks that bad again. Uh, You still have Travis Etienne running all over the field and just all the weapons that Clemson has. I don't know that Texas A&M's defense will be able to keep up with them, and I don't think that offense will score enough points on Clemson's defense to really keep this game close. So in uh, in Death Valley, I'll take Clemson to cover. How many Death Valleys are there in college football? I know of two. Just Clemson and LSU? I mean, there might be some lesser-known it, It's just a hell of a coincidence they're both Tigers. <laughs> uh, I see an NFL offensive line. I see an NFL defensive line. I see one hell of a quarterback, and I see a one hell of a running back. And I'm not seeing that on the same side with A&M. I'm not a believer in Jimbo yet. I got the champs in this one. Dylan talked about T. Higgins. Uh, Travis 18 is the one hat. 18? 18! <laughs> so, ETN. I will. Travis Scott. I've heard both. <laughs> I will educate you guys, who apparently no one is from down south. So, the French would pronounce it ATNA. But. That's not right either. He is in. Well, it is, and I am French. No, so it's not, because I took French, and that's, that's not how that's That's fine. Pronounced. I have family that's from France. That's cute. Um, but regardless, you, I actually we're not it. doing yes. this. Yes, stupid fights. Let's go. And how many that times did not they talk how about they Travis Etienne? <laughs> right. ESPN has a show in Louisiana. Oh, no shit. Right? They have a show? They do. They have a show? And no way. The Moscona show spent 15 minutes interviewing... And discussing how did you pronounce his name? Did, did they combo him into a? It is pronounced as the number eighteen. It's not. I don't know why, but that is how he himself and his family say his name. Now it just sounds like can, it with that southern drawl. You can argue the merits of what is proper. Look up the interview. One hundred four point five is the radio. It's fifteen minutes, so it's not like we have time to do this right now. But. They pronounce it 18. Why? I don't know. Regardless, Travis 18 had a berserk game against Georgia Tech. He had 200 yards, and he did not hit teens in rushes. He had three touchdowns. I mean, you don't usually do that in Madden. It's just stupid. Not an NCAA 14. Those numbers are stupid. But Texas A&M is not Georgia Tech. And Texas A&M also looked pretty solid last week. And I'm not going to downplay what Clemson did to a Power 5 team, regardless if they should be, but they are a Power 5 team. Texas A&M played garbage, but looked fine doing it. If Texas A&M hopes to compete, if the SEC is a shred of what people pretend it is, like in any microcosm, this game has to be closer. 
than 17 points. If there is any respectability in Jimbo's program, Trevor Lawrence looked kind of terrible last week. Now, he didn't need to be good. They played a bad team, and he's a phenomenal quarterback. If I was having my pick of quarterbacks out of the lot this year, I would take Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> but he didn't look good. The rest of his team's phenomenal, and that is a high-caliber NFL team. But Texas A&M has some players. They're not ranked 12th in the country for nothing. If they have any self-respect, this game will be within 17 points. We're going to find out if they do, and I'm, I'm going to take Dylan's side on this one, and, and I think that they do. I hope that they do, because this is going to be a snooze fest if they don't. Keeping it in the SEC, LSU, overrated as always, LSU, somehow sixth in the country right now, travels to the other perennial overrated program from the South in Texas. In Texas, despite being a top 10 team, is a five and a half point dog at home to LSU. Uh, this one is straightforward and shouldn't take much time. And if anybody picks anything else, I'm, I'm sorry, you're just dumb. It's Texas. Hook them. Texas, Sam Ellen, you're way better than Bo Nix. <laughs> Bo, Bo Nix isn't playing in this game. Joe Burrows is, but thanks for playing. Ah, he's better than him, too. But just like they mashed on Georgia last year in the bowl game. <laughs> Joe Burrow looked really good last week. Uh, LSU, to me, is the slightly better version of Michigan State. Great defense. I don't know what the hell they're bringing offensively. They're much and worse than <laughs> I don't know. You taking Michigan State if they against LSU in a neutral site? Absolutely. I don't know. Uh, that is not even close. In this one, though, I am going to believe in the maybe the ugliest colors in all of sports, and that is the Texas Longhorns. Their uniforms are beautiful. God, yeah, you really think that's about. bad, that burnt orange and white? Ugh, it's beautiful. It's definitely not beautiful. Look at I mean, it helps, it helps the females that wear the colors. But it's I mean, definitely it's... not beautiful. It's good thing Claire doesn't listen to Actually, no, sorry. I said maybe. The ugliest colors in all of sports are ASUs. Because you got shit brown and uh, piss yellow. Uh, <laughs> there is zero bias in hate, that hate, at all. Hate, 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 hate. <laughs> Matt, you took Texas, right? I did. <laughs> All right, that's going to make a clean clean sweep as I also take Texas. But unlike these guys, I actually think if there's one team from the South that could live up to overrated preseason expectation, it would be LSU because they do have the best quarterback they've had that I can remember. I don't know what it's going to mean and if they can put it together, but if one of those teams can, it is LSU if anyone is going to give Bama a run, it's going to be LSU, not Georgia. Uh, but again, self-respect, Texas is at home. This is supposed to be the year they get it done under Herman. They have what should be a Heisman candidate at quarterback. You can't lose by a touchdown. You can lose, but you got to keep the game closer than that. Have some respect. Hook them. Now, somehow, we just talked about Michigan State when we were discussing the LSU game. It's almost prophetic because Michigan State's the last game on the State. It is pathetic. No, that's not what you said. Sorry. No, no, it's not. <laughs> but that's I all right. I heard what I wanted to hear. But that's all right. That's all right. Michigan State has a home game, but it's not too far away for their opponent from Western Michigan. You've got to travel a couple hours east from Kalamazoo to get whooped by Michigan State in that ferocious defense. State is a 16-and-a-half-point dog at home. So basically this game, 
Do you believe the Michigan State offense can score 17 points against Western Michigan? I, I think I already played my cards on this, but uh, Michigan State's going to win either 35-7 to or 42-7. to I think they will just utterly demolish Western Michigan. That offense isn't going to be let in the facility if they don't cover this spread. And with its 16-and-a-half, that's very soft considering Western shouldn't get more than a touchdown just like Tulsa did. And if Michigan State does everything they did exactly last game, then they do end up covering the spread. So I'll take the Spartans big. <sighs> like the season just started and this team already gives me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> like this offense, I just I, – I don't see how anyone has any confidence in this offense. I, don't, I understand that Western Michigan is bad, but – I just don't see anyone with any confidence in this offense. I don't see anything from that offensive line still to give me any confidence in this offense. And I've seen wide receivers dropping balls. I see no running game. And I see a head coach that loves to run the ball. And so it just worries me. They should cover this. They should have covered last week too, and they didn't. This is a smaller spread. And like Ryan said, if they do exactly the same thing, they do cover this spread. So it's your last chance, Spartans. Get your shit together. I'm going green. So, for whatever reason, Western Michigan has kind of been Michigan State's what Indiana has been in Michigan. Just weirdly hard-fought games out of nowhere, regardless of the final score. But we've talked plenty about Michigan State. Let's talk about Western Michigan a little bit. Sure, Western Michigan scored 48 points. That's cute last week. They played Monmouth. And... The people that recognize that name probably recognize them from basketball. Um, and that's the school that has the really cool bench, right? The celebration bench? Yes? No? Yeah. Nobody cares? All right. Thank you, Ryan. In football, they are like a super nobody, even more than they are in basketball. Uh, I don't even know what division they play. Fucking one step up from NIA, the FCF school, of course. Western Michigan allowed 322 yards. So they only scored 13 points, but they ran up 322 yards on Western Michigan and owned the time of possession. They had 31 and a half minutes they had the ball. Michigan State does not have the greatest offense, but this is going to be a confidence builder for Michigan State's offensive line as they grind them to a pulp. I don't see Western Michigan scoring many points on Michigan State. And this is, this it, it, like, I think Ryan said it. It shouldn't be allowed in the facility if they don't cover this spread. This one, and I said it was the lock of the week last week, and fucking Michigan State bites me again. I'm never picking them, ever. But this has to be the lock of this week. You win this game by 30, 40 points because you are that much better than this team. Do it at home. Have some pride. Your coach called you out. Show some effort and kick some Bronco ass, please. Another clean sweep as we all pick Michigan State. And for the first time this year, and it's fitting that Dylan is picking first this week on his redemption tour because we got NFL to talk about, baby. And the first game on our slate, the first game of the NFL season is so perfect for this podcast and everything that we resemble because Green Bay and everybody's love-hate for Aaron Rodgers has a road game on the shittiest field in all the NFL. Against Pittsburgh says what? I, uh, Oakland says what? Get out of here, dude. Oakland doesn't count. Oh, they don't count? And you Soldier said in the field, NFL. Soldier Field is worse than 
Not than Pittsburgh. Heights. Get out of here, dude. On the 40s, it literally tears away mid-October. Like, <laughs> come on. They're also taking on the worst quarterback in all of football. That's right. It's actually not true. He's not that bad. Yes, he but is. But Chicago is a three-point favorite at home to kick off the NFL season. Dylan Bear, tell me, are your Bears getting off to a good start? Well, I'm going to tell you that the Chicago Bears Facebook page is not because they are doing top 100 Bears moments leading up to the season. And they have at the number 95 spot the Soldier Field renovation, which is just not accurate. And then they also have at the number 94 spot the best in such a storied program. Top 100 moments. They have the Bears hiring John Fox as the number 94 moment. I don't know who's running the Facebook. You need to be fired. That is asinine. John Fox hiring was god-awful, and it's the opposite of how this game is going to be because we're going to whip the ever-living shit out of bitch boy Rogers, who's going to make some audible stupid-ass choices. Matt LaFleur is going to be out there on the sideline. You're going to see him with his... With his youngness, I don't actually know what he looks like, but he's gonna be over. He's gonna be over there, and he's gonna be just in awe of of the greatness of Khalil Mack. I, I again, I predicted it myself that Khalil Mack in week what was it, twelve, fifteen, something like that. When the Bears have the rematch, they're they're gonna actually knock Aaron Rodgers out. The seeds are gonna be planted in this game. Chicago is definitely gonna win this game, and there ain't no chance at Soldier Field at home to start the NFL off that we're not gonna expose Green Bay's revenge tour as nothing more than bullshit. So let's go bear down, ah, Chicago da Bears. For the win, the cover, whatever you want, everything all at once. Thursday is going to be a glorious start to a Chicago Bears division championship run. In the NFL, you get three points just for being at home. So what Vegas is telling you is this game is essentially a pick em. Going back and forth on this game, I'm interested to see what the Packers' new offense looks like. And I think huh, kind of that unpredictability good. will benefit them more than it will so the Bears who they've already obviously seen and whose defense isn't going to be quite as effective as it was last year although still very good so I will take Green Bay in this game with the worst case scenario Chicago winning by three and it gets pushed uh we did our picks last week on who we thought was taking the north and overall records and all that stuff and i absolutely have the packers in that one i can't back down from that now i am going with a Raj and the rest of the maybe ugliest colors in the nfl <laughs> the yellow and green of the green bay packers i want the bears to win yeah they will i want so dylan for you. to experience joy in his life mm. but packers are the better team and <laughs> okay. on the road or not, you're giving me points. You're giving the better team points. You're giving the better quarterback points. Better team. Say, say, say better team one more motherfucking time. Tarvav. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, I said you get it that a lot. F- what? No, hey, 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 I got a question. Where'd you, where, where did you get that opinion? Where did you get that opinion from? The fucking arch in St. Louis? Did you murder somebody in order to get that off their fucking notes from St. Louis? What is this shit? Goddamn. 
I said it a lot last week when we broke down the NFC North. I think it was last week. Hope it was last week. Asinine bullshit. Green Bay is a better team. They have a better quarterback. They probably, I'll say they don't have the better coach. If that makes you feel better, I think you guys got the better coach. Nah, we ain't friends no more. Get out of here. But you're giving me points with a better team. And no, I don't think they're winning the division. But I do think that after an offseason of question marks, an offseason of. Yo, Pat Riley with a beard looks a lot like Pop from far away. <laughs> oh, you saw that, uh, that dance video? Yeah. Dwayne Wade? <laughs> Yo. Yep. I was like, wait, is that Pop? Nope, that is hey, the best dress coach in all of sports ever. Oh, yeah, better team, better quarterback. Papa John's. It's <laughs> Green Bay, it's everyone against Dylan. I know Dylan feels come. like it's that every day, but <laughs> Green Bay. Fuck <laughs> Uh, moving on, but keeping it in the NFC North, we have what I think one of the most interesting games of the week. Uh, two teams both on <laughs> what they both really hope are, are good pushes this season because if not, they both have a lot of questions ahead of them. we got Atlanta Falcons traveling way the way up north to the warm Minnesota <laughs> Dome. What the fuck do we call the stupid bank stadium? U.S. Bank? U.S. Bank US stadium. Bank. I can't. There's so many goddamn banks. I hate it. U.S. Bank Stadium, but it's not exactly cold. It's indoors. It's going to have beautiful weather. They're four-point dogs to Minnesota, and we talked a lot about Minnesota last week, so don't need to dive too much into that. Tell me why Atlanta can or cannot hold up their end of the bargain. I expect a big year for Matt Ryan and Atlanta, and I do think that that starts off um, on Sunday against Minnesota. In the Dome, I like those Falcons' weapons and those receivers. So give me Atlanta to cover and win outright. I hate that this game is on our list because these are two teams that will let you down with ease. Like you've seen it happen again and again on both sides. Both teams have done this where they should be better than what they are and they just don't show it on the field. And you have former MVP in Matt Ryan. You have one of the best wide receivers in the game in Julio Jones. You've got a dangerous rushing attack as well. And then on the other side, you've got Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, who has a chance to have a redemption year, and we'll see what he brings to the table. Um, He has been very Matt Stafford-like with good numbers against competition and does not do it when it counts against real teams. And is Dalvin Cook going to stay healthy? And yes, uh, he's got... Phenomenal weapons to pass the ball to uh, in Cousins with, you know, Thielen and Jesus Christ. Ryan, help. Stefan Diggs. Thank you. Um, but both these teams constantly let you down. And you could easily see either one of these teams winning by anywhere from 7 to 12 points. And yet it's probably going to be a close game. And does Minnesota have enough in them to hold off a last push by the Falcons, you know, leading 27-20, something like that. Uh, Because they're at home, I'm going to take a shot with them. I don't believe in either one of these teams. No, I'm not going to take a shot with them. Forget Minnesota. (laughs) Let's go Dirty Birds. I hate both these teams. Both these teams annoy the hell out of me. I said I think Minnesota's winning the NFC North. And they can do that and lose this game. 
and they can also do that and win this game by less than four. I think this spread is too high for what I think is probably a more complete team in Atlanta, and they have a pass rush to punish Minnesota up front, whether they are weak on the offensive line, unless they've taken massive steps forward that I haven't foreseen. Even though I have them winning that FC North, winning this game by more than four points, I think is just going to be extremely difficult. You tell me Atlanta's got to lose by three on the road. They're the more complete team. I have to take Atlanta. We're going to go to the game of the week next. Pittsburgh traveling to take on the defending Super Bowl champs. I've said that enough times in my lifetime. The New England Patriots are at home, a big six-point favorite over one of what you hope is going to be an AFC contender. Uh, I think that uh, Pittsburgh is on. Pittsburgh is on a revenge tour, and I got Pittsburgh rolling in this one. It's going to be one of those kind of Kansas City, uh, New England games where New England will look overwhelmed, everyone will overreact, and then they'll write the ship. So I will have Pittsburgh in this one. For me, I'm kind of on, I'm not on the same track as Dylan. I do think Pittsburgh ends up covering, but it is still Big Ben on the road in a primetime night game. The the kind of deciding factor there, though, is that it's, you know, September New England Patriots, which we've come to see throughout the years, are not the best version of the New England Patriots. I do think that they have enough firepower to get the get the win, but I don't expect it to be more by more than, you know, three or four points. So give me Pittsburgh with the points. Normally I would be all over New England in this one, but with the Patriots losing David Andrews, their starting center, uh, for most likely the season and maybe for the rest of his football career with what he has to deal with the blood clots in his lungs, that's a big loss. This is a guy you are trusting to hand the ball to Brady and block and do everything you need from your center, and he's a trustworthy center that they've dealt with for a while, and now you've got backups, and now you're trying to bring guys in, and it's right before the season starts, and I don't know if the Patriots have enough time to get into that rhythm with a guy that they don't know playing under center for him, uh, so, or playing at center for him. So because of that, I will be taking the Steelers. I mean, this is kind of unbelievable because – Including this game, the last five picks, myself, Ryan, and Matt have all had the exact same pick. Ryan and Matt have only disagreed on one game this entire segment so far. Well, that's I don't know we, how we you kept pick. winning. <laughs> I don't know how you pick against Pittsburgh in this game, other than oh, it's Brady and Belichick, and they're at home. Because six points is quite a bit, and this is a Patriots team that has a ton of turnover that usually works through stuff early in the season, and if you're going to get them, it's going to be early in the season. They're coming off a title, but they have a lot of things to sort out. The biggest being, as Matt said, they lost their center, man, and they don't know if he's coming back, if at all. Pittsburgh has a lot of continuity. They are gearing up for one last run. They've got the cancers out of their locker room. They seem to be closer than they've been in a while. I don't know if they're going to win this game, but I know that it should be within a touchdown. I know that they should not get blown out this game. And it's just the syndrome of never get bet against New England that they're a six-point favorite in this. It has to be Pittsburgh in this game. Now we go down to the Super South, where two 
of our podcast brethren have lived. One of them still stuck there. Poor man. But Dylan's favorite player in the entire universe, Deshaun Watson, is, is coming out to prove whether he's a fraud or not this year. And he starts against a revamped defense, a rebirth team. Katrina herself couldn't take down. The New Orleans Saints are touchdown favorites over, I think, the defending South champions? Used to win the division last year? Probably. Uh, no, Indy did, right? No, I think it was the Colts. Did they? Yeah. Well, they're going to win it this year. So, well, well, this is this is pretty straightforward. So, Houston did not make all these moves for nothing. Hopefully, so they Bill O'Brien better pray that they cover because if you start out zero and one after all the moves they just did, that's a ship that's going to sink real fast. I will take the Texans. All the moves that they just made might be why they do start off zero and one, and might be why they don't even cover. Obviously, Duke Johnson coming in in replace of Lamar Miller. We don't know how much of the offense that he still has to learn. Uh, Laramie Tunsil is obviously going to be a big upgrade on the offensive line, but then you got rid of a big defensive line piece in Jadavian Clowney. Uh, one of the guys, of course, along with J.J. Watt, who's going to be there to chase Drew Brees all around the field. But a Monday night game um, in the Superdome for – the Saints, a team who feels like they probably should have won the Super Bowl last year, um, or at, l- at least been in it, and then they saw New England only scored 13 points, so they probably feel like they were cheated out of just a Super Bowl victory in general. I think they exercised some of those demons um, on the first Monday night game of the year, and they do cover that touchdown spread. I know it's a lot, but Houston's going through a lot of transition right now, and I expect the Saints just to come out pissed off uh the real nfc champs will come out with a vengeance uh to start the season uh boned over a few different ways with their quarterback not winning mvp and them not winning the nfc i think we're going to see a very determined saint squad i don't believe that much in the texans right now especially with them just losing lamar miller like that and having to throw duke johnson into the wolves uh it's at the Superdome, tough place to play. Monday night, season opening, place is going to be rocking. It's going to be loud. It's going to be tough for Deshaun Watson to hear uh, and to have his teammates hear him. Uh, I'm going with the real NFC champions to cover. If Houston can't keep this game within a touchdown, they need to quit. Quit it all. Fire everybody. Move on from everybody. Just Against one of the best teams in football? How do you say that? Within a touchdown? Because, first of all, they've made all the moves to make a run now. That's why they made the moves. And they were really good moves. One of the more underrated moves being the fact that they brought in Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, who's been extremely effective every single time he's gotten the ball ever. For whatever reason, he's the Mark Ingram of the NFL in Sean Payton's every NFL coach he's ever had because they haven't kept him around, but... The dude produces, period. And now he has Laramie Tunsil to help run behind and to help protect Deshaun Watson. And yes, either last year. Yes, it is a new team. Yes, they have some meshing to do. But if there's one spot that's the easiest, it's running back. 
running backs step into teams all the time. That's why you see rookies at running back have the biggest impact as young players. Because it's not a hard thing to step into, especially for a guy like Carlos Hyde. They're going to be better up front because they can't be worse. Deshaun Watson got off to one of the worst starts you would think last year, one that had me mocking him mercilessly because, let's face it, I'm not a big Deshaun Watson fan. And while I'm still not, he's not going to get off to as bad of a start this year. They have all of the pieces in place. Who on the Saints is covering Nuck? Who? Marshawn Lattimore? He's going to moss him into fucking next week. I, I mean, I don't... The Saints are probably going to win this game. But there is no way that Houston can justify losing by more than a touchdown. None at all. And I hate picking all dogs. But I, this is it. This spread is way too large for a team that hopes to be a contender in the AFC this year. Houston has to cover this spread. Well, they won't if they just give the ball to 3.3 yard per carry Carlos Hyde. I will fucking smite you. 3.4 the year before that, and then 3.9. Our last game of the week, we finally get to begin our season of misery. Yes, in Detroit, we call it the NFL regular season. The Detroit Lions kick off this Sunday in the desert, 4.30 p.m. 4.25 p.m. to be exact. In a place that Lions fans know that, like many places, they have not been successful in at all, ever. Because we go out and we lose to shit Arizona teams in Arizona. It's what we do. We lost to Drew Stanton in Arizona a couple years ago. I like Drew Stanton. Nope. Hey! I like Drew Stanton. They scored 14 points, if I remember. Right? Pretty sure they scored 14 points. Arizona, that is. And won. Won the game. That's what Detroit does. We really need to discuss why this year is going to be the year that that is not what they do. I mean, what is... Detroit is a two-and-a-half point favorite. Detroit, this game was a pick em. It opened as a pick em. And I believe early in the offseason, before the official lines came out, or before the game week lines came out, I'm sorry, the early season lines on this game, I think, had Arizona favored by a point. When open for the week, it was a pick em. And now Detroit's a two-and-a-half point favorite. So everybody's betting on Detroit, which is wild because nobody ever bets on Detroit. Matt Ryan, why would people be betting on Detroit in this game? Because they went into Arizona last year and won. <laughs> That's so about as good a reason you're going to get. That's about as good of a reason you're going to It's the Lions. What do you want? Reasons. There is no football reason. It's the Lions. How is that a terrible reason? So we just talked about all their bad history in Arizona, and literally last year, the most recent example they had, they went in there and they smacked them around. Now, they only scored 17 points, but they only let up three. And they let up three in the uh, in the fourth quarter. So they shut them, shut them out of the entire game. In the final you know, quarter, they were able to score a field goal. But, but this is everything about this different. game. Everything about this game screams a Lions victory. You have a defensive coach against an offensive coach who hasn't called a play in the NFL and wasn't that successful of a head coach in college, although his offense was potent. It's because he wasn't going against literally anybody on defense. And then you have a rookie quarterback behind a terrible offensive line. Uh, and I know preseason is preseason, 
but the Cardinals have looked terrible in the preseason. For all of like their first string snaps, they've produced nine points through the first three, uh, and maybe Kyler even played in the fourth preseason game. But they've managed three field goals out of every single one of their drives with their starters in the preseason because their offensive line has looked so bad and just allows people to not only get to Kyler Murray, uh, but when they start the season, they're going to allow people to hit Kyler Murray. And I expect Matt Patricia to dial up the defensive pressure. So while the Lions don't have great pass rushers, if you're bringing more guys than a bad offensive line can handle, you're eventually going to get to the quarterback, and you don't need a Khalil Mack or a J.J. Watt or Jadavion Clowney to necessarily do that with the push that the Lions should get on the line. Uh, they should really dominate it that way. And then the Cardinals' defense isn't that good either. It's something that Stafford, if he is fully healed from his back injury last year, it's a defense he should be able to take advantage of. Last year he didn't play particularly well um, in the game that they had against you know, a lot of the same players on defense. He went 15 for 23 for, uh, for only 101 yards. It's about f uh, actually a little bit, it's like four and a half yards per attempt, which is really bad. Uh, where the Lions, I don't know if you want to say where they won the game, is kind of on the ground, although they only, it looks like they only had about 125, 130 rushing yards there. Um, with Zach Zenner, of all people, leading the way with 54 yards, but LeGarrette Blount added another 33. Theo Riddick had 28. And with the Lions, uh, with Carryon Johnson back there, who's obviously a better running back than any of the guys that we just mentioned, that should be something the Lions are able to take advantage of again. But really it just comes down to it's a very inexperienced team against a team that does have some experience uh, with a coach that should be able to you know, put this rookie on his back. And I love Kyler Murray, but this is one of the worst possible matchups he could have gotten for week one. I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I mean, Arizona's offensive line, and there's a lot of bad offensive lines in the NFL. We have three of two and a half of them in the NFC North. The Chicago Bears is kind of almost passable. Uh, Lions and Vikings are terrible. Uh, Arizona's offensive line might be the worst of all. And they were garbage last year. And a lot's changed. Completely new coach, completely new offensive system, completely new quarterback. But like Ryan said, he's a rookie. They did dick all in the preseason. And you can say what you want about it, but they didn't look cohesive in any manner. This first game of the season with your rookie head coach, your rookie quarterback, who's also a midget on top of it. And, oh, by the way, his offensive line that can't block anyone has to go against one of the better defensive lines in the entire NFL. Now, I talked at length last week about as good as our defensive line is, they're not elite pass rushers, but they're going to look elite in this game because they make average defensive lines look great. And Detroit's defensive line is definitely above average. And the problem is they're going to allow Detroit to get interior pressure and things are going to close around Kyler Murray so fast is the pocket collapses, he bails, he's got nowhere to roll out, guys aren't open quick enough because Slay's shutting down their best receiver, and they just don't have the weapons. And they're going to try to mitigate it. They're going to get Kyler Murray rolling out. They're going to try to 
get quick passes. They're going to run screens to David Johnson's and have him run routes out of the backfield. I really like the risk. A couple of the receivers, they got some real young guys in the past couple of years. Kirk, I think, is going to be a really good player. But again, Darius Slay's going to be on him. They're going to match speed with speed. We're going to have David Johnson bracketed at all times. You think Matt Patricia is not going to come in with a game plan to take their best player out of this game? In as good of an offensive mind as Cliff Kinsbury is, you think he's going to match wits? with Matt Patricia and out-coach him on the other side of the ball as a rookie in his first game as an NFL coach. Hell fucking no, he is not going to do that. Detroit should ravage this team. And I know that everyone is having flashbacks to the New York Jets game on Monday night to start the season last year. The rookie quarterback team that wasn't very good the year before they're not comparable situations they're not completely different teams completely different places and even if the Lions have a meltdown it will take unfathomable turnover after turnover and game-changing play for Arizona to win this game you could play this game on like Stafford did against the Jets you could listen. He could throw three pick sixes, and they'll still probably win this game. You could play this game on the fucking moon. I would and not Detroit say that. Should win this game. <laughs> Arizona doesn't have the horses. They don't have the season quarterback. They don't have the season coach. They don't have anything outside of David Johnson. How does how gonna, Arizona? How you going to besmirch Larry Fitzgerald like that? Because he's ninety. Don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> And the boldness of you to call someone taller than you a midget. I mean, my goodness. He's a midget by NFL quarterback standards. <laughs> you can suck my knob. Uh, look, y'all know how I feel about the Lions. We had our picks last week. I said 4-12. and 12. This is one of those four, though. I do believe they should win this football game. I do believe they're the better team out of the two. Uh... I wouldn't go praising Matt Patricia like you did, although once we got snacks last year, we were allowing just about 18 points a game, so our defense absolutely improved with snacks' arrival. Uh, I still don't know about our secondary. Our secondary still bothers me. Uh, It's going to really bother me against real teams, real quarterbacks, proven quarterbacks, I should say, because Kyler Murray, we just don't know yet. Uh, But... All things point to this being a Lions victory. I think it's even better that they're playing on the road because they won't have Detroit fans booing them like they would at Ford Field. Uh, they can just go and try and shut up the Cardinal fans, and I think that will help them in this matter. Uh, they are the better team. on Johnson should have a pretty good game uh, to start off the season as long as he's healthy and all signs are pointing that he is. Uh, still don't know the whole story with Stafford's back, although it's looking more and more like garbage because you haven't heard anybody else jump on it. Uh, well, I mean, we've seen him in the preseason. How bad did it look? Well, I mean, the Lions looked bad. Would they go 0-4? No, I'm talking about his back. <laughs> I didn't see him that much. I didn't see him I've that much in the preseason. Him enough. But this is one of the four. They should win this game. One of the few times you're going to hear me pick the Lions well, to win a game, let don't alone. Give your, don't give your pick away yet with the spread. You say they're going to win the game. Yes, I think they have, they have the better team in this Rare example of the 2019 season. Let's go that we're all in lockstep on that. Except 
Dylan because Dylan wanted to save his first pick because he wanted to keep it short and sweet because he's dying. So we'll let Dylan pick first because we've let Dylan pick first all night. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, so it was a pick this morning, moved to two and a half in Lions' favor, if that tells you anything about how the betting line is going for this. Vegas was just begging for people to be shifting that line some sort of way. They don't believe in the lines at all. Nobody believes in the lines at all. But apparently I do. And the lines are going to win this guy handily. And it's going to be a very rude awakening for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray against a defense that is going to be top five in the NFL by season's end. Dylan is not the only one that believes in the Lions. As we heard last week, I had them going 11-5. and five, This man was on crack. Better record that you gave them. And as I just mentioned, this is the first week, or this is the, the first win of their run of dominance this year towards the NFC North. So with this game, the spread being so soft, two and a half, we talked about kind of locks of the week earlier. This one would be my lock of the week, given what the Lions did. In Arizona Lock of the week! Everything, everything is shaping up so nice for them to where every football reason you can think of points to the Lions to win this game, and they only have to win it by a field goal if you're going to take them while the spread is at two and a half. Something tells me by the time that this comes out, it probably won't be. But by the time we're picking, two and a half, I bet it gets bet up, though. But, yeah, put all your money on the Lions. I mean, it's been bet up. Don't say I told you to do it. <laughs> it's been bet up a lot. I mean, legitimately, early this offseason, Arizona was favored by a point. And then an open game week is a pick and it's already two and a half for Detroit. I mean, how high can it climb? Spreads just don't move that much. Although I have seen one sports book had it at three already. Um, who the hell was it? It might have been Westgate. It was either Westgate or MGM out in Vegas. But I, it probably is going to push up more. What do you think, Matt? Uh, yeah, I think I think this is something that we would see right around four by kickoff. I would think three and a half, four somewhere in that area. Um, they are the better team. It's, they've had time with a lot of the same players under the head coach they've had for a year. The running game improved last year leaps and bounds over what we've had for many, many years past. Our first 100-yard rusher in a game since Reggie Bush. Uh, now carry on's next step, become the first 1,000-yard rusher for the season for the Lions since Reggie Bush. He's definitely an improvement in that area. Stafford has weapons. Gall- Galladay has stepped up big. He's become, you know, maybe their number one target. Um, I think him and uh, Jones should go back and forth on that one. Uh, like I said before, with Amendola, you got a sure hand there who can definitely help you in the slot. Uh, that line still bothers me, though. And throughout the season, we're going to see it bother us a lot. But in this first game against the Cardinals, I do think the Lions will cover this spread of two and a half. That makes me really sad that, uh, the f*** do we bring in that broke his leg? Oh, best? No. Receiver oh. this year. From Seattle. God dang, now I can't even think who it was. What are you talking oh, about? We got we got rid of Golden Tate last year. What'd you say, Ryan? Jermaine, Jermaine Curse. Jermaine Curse. Yeah, Jermaine Curse. Yeah, it makes me really sad that he got hurt because this could have been... I think him and Andola were really underrated signings. Cause the one him and who? Andola. Andola? <laughs> Andola. I think they were really underrated signings. The one thing this team lacked with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay is separation. They just didn't get separation. And Marvin Jones is what he is. Uh, he's, a, he's a receiver that can really go up and get it, but he's not super elusive in his routes. They're not precise enough. Whether it's his agility, whether he rounds him too much, 
whether he has a towel, he is not great at gaining separation. He makes up for that with his hands and his body control, but he's not really a quarterback's best friend to be thrown in the vicinity and hoping you make a play. And that's what he does a lot, and that's what Kenny Galladay does a lot. Granted, those are big, very good targets, but you need some separation, and that's what we're hoping the guys like Amendola provide. The thing is, in this game, it's not going to matter. Their offensive line woes aren't going to matter. The Cardinals aren't good enough. They're just not. This Detroit should win this game by multiple touchdowns. And if they do not win by double digits, it's going to be a rough season, man. It's going to be a rough season anyway. It might be. But they need to win this game by double digits. I'm going to take Detroit all day. And just the most interesting quirk of picks this week is why. So Matt and Ryan, they, they led 6-4 and four last week. The first game this week, they differed in picks. The last nine, they all picked the same team, Matt and Ryan. Follow us. Entire, we'll lead you to victory. Entire time, man. And I mean, we'll I line your, your pockets with two. money. We're just mm-hmm. very in sync this week. It would be real interesting to see how it plays mm-hmm. out. And I'm going to go 10-0, and 0 and Matt's going to go 9-1. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be okay with that. I fuck you both. <laughs> All right, that's it. We done. N- another long one for you. It's football time, so, you know, that means we're going to have, you know, longer conversations to dull out your week leading up to kickoff. So, for Paul Roshan, Ryan Griffin. Dylan Bear. I am Matt Bass, and we are Sports Carnage. Thank you for sticking with us tonight. We will be back next week. Y'all have a wonderful night. Sports Carnage on Podbean and iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review Sports Carnage on Facebook at Sports Carnage Podcast. Sports Carnage on Twitter at Sports Carnage. Yeah.